Hey, wrestling fans, if you're listening to this, you're listening to the latest episode of the Wrestling Time Machine podcast. Before we dive into the show, Leith and I want to give you a chance to figure out where you can find us on social media. You can follow the Wrestling Time Machine podcast on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash the Wrestling Time Machine. You can follow the Wrestling Time Machine podcast on Twitter. The at handle is at W-R-E-S-T-L-T-I-M-M-A-C-H. You can also just search the Wrestling Time Machine podcast on Twitter. You can follow the Wrestling Time Machine podcast on Tumblr. If you want to be a part of the show and let us know what you're watching or what you think of a particular event we're about to watch, you can email the show at thewrestlingtimemachine at gmail.com. We will read your emails live on the show. You can also donate to the show. You can help support us at kofi.com, that's ko-fi.com, forward slash the wrestling time machine. Want to get some merch for your donation? You can support the show by finding us on T Public under Bobby F07. It's all lowercase. We have a couple shirts up there. We always have more coming up. You can leave us a review on iTunes if you want to help support the show for free. That really helps us out. That means more people see us, and that means we get to have more cool guests on. You can also check out the other shows that we do at nerdfixstrangers.com forward slash listen, including Nerdfix Strangers and Pokemon Mind and Body. Leith, where can people find you on the internet? You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram. Both of those are now at underscore gray that's l-i-a-t-h underscore g-r-e-y i have a uh, silly toy blog the dinosaur toy adventure on instagram as well dinosaur underscore toy underscore adventure and if you are interested and you search Leith Gray on Amazon, I have two short stories available at the moment, uh, Talia and Anna's Obsession. They're a dollar apiece. And that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> so check those out. You can follow me on Twitter at Space King Bobby. You can also follow me on Tumblr at Space King Bobby's blog, Space King Comics. And don't forget to check out EvetteMakesThings.com. She makes all sorts of great stuffed animals, badges, jewelry, comics, stockings for the holidays. Check out EvetteMakesThings.com for all sorts of cool, nerdy findings. And I think with that, I think we can start the show. Welcome, wrestling fans, to the second part of our September of 1995 episode on the Wrestling Time Machine podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Bobby Fisher, and on the line with me, as always, is my faithful co-host, Leith Gray. Hello, everyone. Hello. And joining us today is Chikara Pro's resilient rookie, Green Ant. Hello, everyone. Hello! Welcome to the show. Uh, We had Green Ant on from our first September of 1995 episode. If you want to hear that portion of the interview, please go check that out. And with that, we're going to dive into the second part of the interview and get to know Green Ant a little better. So, Leith, I believe you have some questions here. Sure. Um, So, Young Lions Cup tournament coming up. 
what are you doing in preparation for that? Uh, I'm trying to get my eyes on the full list of who's in the Young Lions Cup tournament uh, early. Uh, the earlier, the better, so I can start scouting ahead of time. Um, other than that, I've, I've got a full year of experience since the last time I was in the tournament. Uh, and I'm hoping that that knowledge carries me uh, further than all these other young lines that get chosen to be in the tournament. Um, is there any, um, like, what do you think your, your chances are of winning, hopefully? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I'd like to think that they're very high. Um, I've, I've won King of Trios in, the last, in this year since the last time I've tried out. Um, I've, I've wrestled uh, 60 matches now, all over the world, so I'm I'm really really looking forward to to breaking out new things and uh, trying to keep some things in my back pocket for this tournament so that people can't scout me all the way. And how have things like changed for you since winning King of Trios? Has that given you any new opportunities that you might not have gotten otherwise? Uh, it's given me a lot of confidence walking into matches, uh, knowing that. Uh, I can stand the test of four matches in three days, uh, knowing that I've I've wrestled for over half an hour, um, and my match with uh, Fist went over 30 minutes. Uh, knowing that I have uh, that skill set within me uh, allows me to uh, feel more free about what I'm doing. Yeah, and I know um, besides wrestling, you also seem to make a lot of gear and. I guess faces for people. Is there one that is there something that you've made that you're particularly proud of, or is a personal favorite? Uh, uh, making Ultra Mantis's uh, Christmas mask was probably my um, favorite thing I've done, uh, mostly because of growing up and uh, seeing him, and always wanting to uh, emulate what he does. It's, he's a very enigmatic character. Um. Getting a chance to to work with him on that was uh, a blast of a time. Uh, I'm a real big fan of my holiday mask, uh, non-denominational, of course, because uh, we at the Ant Hill don't like to uh, exclude anyone. Right, I, right. I like the way it all lined up. Um, Smokey the Bear is a, an important one to me because uh, when Smokey says keep it green, uh, he's rooting us on and he's rooting on the planet. Uh, yeah, there are a lot of... Uh, Everything I, I've made, made uh, excites me, and the, the things that I have planned for this year uh, are very exciting to me uh, as I think about them and try to bring them to fruition. Very cool. And I, I've seen the, the Ultraman's mask. He posted a picture. I didn't get to go to that um, Let's Hang Out event, but um, that mask and like the material you used was so cool. Yeah, uh, that was uh, a few days of research trying to find uh, the right match for what he would be wearing. <laughs> right, right. Oh, so good. <laughs> <laughs> now, that was, sorry, go ahead, Green. Uh, uh, that was perhaps my, my most uh, nerve-wracking uh, order because of how iconic his mask is and like how recognizable it is. And making yeah. sure that I can get all those parts correct um, was... I spent I spent a few late nights doing that. <laughs> <laughs> and it turned out really really well. That was that's honestly probably one of my favorite masks I've seen of his in years. Like yeah. I was like I think I even commented on his picture of it because I was like so excited. But I'm also a huge 
Christmas dork, so <laughs> <laughs> the the old school kind of retro Santa and stuff on it, just like like that's just awesome. Yeah. Now, does the uh, does the lack of picnic baskets during during this off season does that make it harder to train? Uh, nutrition uh, is is always one of those things that I'm trying to keep track of. Um, I've I've found that I I train plenty, but uh, I don't seem to put on size because I don't eat enough. Mm. Uh, so I've been I've been working on making sure I eat you know three or four meals a day. Mm-hmm. Um, and just keep trying to get my my calorie intake, uh, hit my macros, so that way I can start putting on visible size. Uh, because when you look at me, I don't look like much, but uh, I can assure you, I can pick up some of the biggest guys when I need to. <laughs> sure, sure, I, yeah. I mean, well, and that's that's part of uh, the advantages of being an ant, right? Certainly. And uh, and as I put on more body weight, uh, my my maximum will always go up. So I'm looking forward to, to trying to get to new levels here. Absolutely, yeah. That's that's always the uh, the sort of fine line you got to walk when you're when you're working out is you know caloric intake versus like what you're what you're doing in the gym, you know size versus like what you're burning. Like that, that always seems like a really hard fine line to walk. Yeah, and I'm I'm also very cautious because I I prefer to be. Uh, in the air a lot. Uh, my comfortable place is flying at people. Uh, but if you're you're heavy, it's hard to get yourself up into the air. So uh, it's trying to find the balance between uh, a weight that I can handle and um, and a weight that lets me wrestle the way I want to. Yeah, a- absolutely. Leith, do do we have more questions? Yes, I got a few listener questions here too. Um, it's kind of coincides with what we were talking about. I got a question from Otar, that's Otar Oddball, mm-hmm. on Twitter. Um, he wants to know what kinds of food would you pack for a picnic? Uh, first thing in the bag is always watermelon. It's uh, the sweetest. Uh, so that goes in there. Uh, I like a, a good Italian hoagie uh, to go with me. Uh, so there's got to be a little ice pack in the cooler so that way the cheese doesn't melt and get all weird on you. Uh... What else do I tend to bring? Do I, I? I try to stay away from desserts when I'm at picnics. Uh, but if there's a, if there's ever a dessert out there, uh, cupcakes, uh, usually where I migrate. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's your good uh, that's your good cheat day item. Yeah, uh, cupcakes. cupcakes and snickerdoodles uh, will, will tear me up on a diet. <laughs> <laughs> And then Otar also wants to know what is your favorite Pokemon? Uh, Pokemon was big in my life uh, growing up. When I when I was growing up, it was just starting. Um, so I'm more akin to the the original set, uh, and I'm always, I always loved uh, Charizard. Uh, not as he got bigger. I want the the little baby Charizard version. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I was always conflicted between Charizard and Squirtle, uh, so either of those two. Uh, I believe you're referring to Charmander. Yes. <laughs> Charizard, Charizard's the grown-up version. I'm, j- I'm just gonna I'm just gonna push my glasses up here a little bit. Uh, yes, uh, the Charmander, uh, Bulbasaur, uh, gets points for uh, for being. Uh, 
a good green-like man, but uh, <laughs> I'm a fire and water kind of guy. <laughs> and oh, sorry, Leaf. I, I was no. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to more questions, but if you have something to add to that. I was just going to let our listeners know, if you ever want to email the show and be a part of the show, you can email the show at Machine at gmail.com, and we'll read your emails live on the show. Okay, so then I do have the, the second question from Razorhawk, that's at Razorhawk2000 on Twitter. Um, what is one thing that surprised you about professional wrestling that you wish you had known before starting out? Oh, uh, probably the, the schedule. Uh, there's a lot of um, late nights that come with wrestling, uh, especially with how often I train and uh, how I like to train. Um, there's been nights that I've been at the wrestle factory till uh, two in the morning, uh, trying to perfect a move. Um, that those nights it's, it's usually just me and, and maybe one other person uh, when I first started I assumed that uh, I would only get to wrestle maybe maybe once or twice a month uh, and last year I wound up wrestling you know sometimes more than twice a weekend right and uh that uh your body starts to feel it if you're not careful <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, uh, knowing the schedule ahead of time and knowing uh, how to best uh, prepare yourself to uh, recover from it would have been great news to have up front. It would save me a lot of uh, rough mornings getting out of bed. <laughs> uh, now, that said, uh, Green Ant, do you have any tips or, or any advice that you can give to any of our listeners who might be interested in getting into wrestling? Uh, certainly, uh, cardio is, is very important, uh, when you're wrestling, uh, everyone has cardio when they wrestle, uh, from Kevin Owens down to the Rey Mysterios and, uh, you know, 205 Live guys. Mm -hmm. Um, that's one of those things that, uh, when you think you have enough cardio, you'll wind up being in a match that you, you realize you don't. <laughs> uh, inevitably. Um, yeah. There's always someone out there that has better cardio than you, uh, and you just hope that one day you're the guy that's better in the ring. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then uh, stretching is very important, making sure you can keep all your muscles uh, loose and limber so that way you're not uh, pulling anything when you're doing this. It's a very physical activity that involves lifting, uh, bending, and, and moving at odd angles. It's, it's very nice to stay uh, in tune with knowing that your body will be able to move those directions without getting hurt. Absolutely. There, there are so many, uh, so many factors that go into, into being a professional wrestler. Uh, certainly. There's, uh, you know, mentalities, there's physicality, there's a lot of different things that go into it. And uh, it's a lot to take in all at once if you go in without any prior knowledge uh, mm -hmm. about what to do. And that's why um, at the Wrestle Factory they have the free workshops uh, where you can go in. Uh, they generally try to have them like once every two months or something like that. We can go in and try it on and uh, it start to get a feeling for what it's going to be like. 
you know, run the ropes and realize that the cable underneath actually hurts. <laughs> um, bump on the the mat and realize that uh, while there may be, well, it may look like there's give, a lot of the times it, it doesn't help. <laughs> uh, I, I actually, uh, I did one of those once, would be like a couple years ago now. Yeah. It was it was a good time. Ninety minutes of flipping around and then taking bumps. We didn't get to run the ropes in the class I took. Uh, it's probably for the best. Trust me. <laughs> that's uh, that was the the worst part when I start. Uh, whenever you take a break from wrestling, too, like your body just stops being used to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when you hit the ropes, uh, they hit back, <laughs> and uh, you'll leave with marks up and down your back of just. Uh, the cable hitting you over and over again. Yeah, that that seems that that seems like it can be rough, especially like you said, once you take a break and and try to go back to it. Yeah, that's that's what we try to do, have no off like try to limit our time down. Yeah. Uh, besides injuries, it's very important to to uh, maintain your body. Uh, Knowing your limit and then also remembering to dial back every now and then so we can heal up. Yeah, because you don't want to overdo things. Correct. Uh, you're you're no good to anybody hurt. Yeah. So that said, what what are some of what are your what are some things that you like to do when you're when you're taking that downtime? Uh, every now and then I'll. I'll turn on my Xbox and start playing a few games uh, just to uh, you know, really turn off everything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes I'll catch up on uh, the newest animated TV show on Netflix, uh, like Troll Hunters mm. or uh, <laughs> Story of Carmen Sandiego. Uh, yeah, they brought that back. <laughs> uh, was that a show before? Yeah. Oh, I just watched the first season that they had, so I might have to go digging for uh, the other stuff. Yeah, that was uh, that was a show back when I was growing up. Uh, Leith might remember it too. Uh, it was it was a cartoon and a game show as well as a computer game. I knew the game show, like the with the Rockapella. Yeah. That that was my version. I'm old. <laughs> there, w- I don't remember there being a cartoon after that. I'm sure there was. Huh. Yeah, there, there absolutely was. It, w- it was very popular. It was like a, was it like a PBS show? I believe. The the game show or the cartoon? The game show. I don't like. I said I don't. I don't remember the cartoon. I don't remember if it was a PBS show, but I remember. I think it was on Nickelodeon. Is what I remember. I'm gonna have to look it up because I'm like, I think the version I saw was on PBS. Maybe it got picked up then because it became yeah. so popular. Might have gotten like put into syndication on Nickelodeon or something. Keep in mind, I'm about like ten years on you people. Yeah. Let's. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm trying to find uh, the answer to this myself as well. Oh. Where in the world is Carmen San Diego? Yeah, this, yeah, that was the one I I knew of. This is this is some Carmen. Yeah, uh, yeah, Rockapella, the acapella group would sing all the the little songs about Carmen San Diego. So good. Huh. Very very interesting. That's uh more yeah. uh 
I have more watching to do now. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and, and if I may, I, I would also recommend She-Ra. She-Ra. Yeah. yeah. The original or the new one? The new one. I would recommend the original. I, so I, there you go. I can't speak for the original. I've never I've never seen the original. That but. was that was my jam growing up. Give me Shira and and Masters of the Universe and. I, okay. say, I, f- I feel like I've watched some Shira in my uh, my youth. Uh, I'll have to re-rake that uh, that seal on this. <laughs> yeah, the 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 new show is a lot of fun. Hmm. So, I, I haven't seen the new one yet. Uh, so that said, let's uh, let's jump into. Oh wait, some, I have one oh, more. We do have more question. questions. Okay. I just have one more. If I don't ask this, my daughter is going to be very angry with me. We wouldn't. Oh boy. <laughs> but uh, she told me today that Green Ant is her favorite wrestler, even more so than Red Ant. So there you oh, go. Yes. Success. <laughs> <laughs> I have made my way in the business. Yeah. So a five-year-old who loves. She loves. You and and the unicorn guys and the, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she's not the best with names, but you know, um, she wanted to know what is your favorite animal. Uh, hmm. so, uh it's a it's a tie usually between uh, a wolf and a penguin. Uh, <laughs> Very good. <laughs> uh, the the penguins have a, a sweet slide uh, that I, I enjoy. Uh, and then the wolf, uh, I don't know, it just seems very uh, independent, I would say, is the answer I'm looking for. Uh, it looks, it seems very on its own and uh, happy to be on its own. Strong, maybe even. So so a lone wolf? Like a, like a lone wolf would be a, a Chad Michael Michael from Blades of Glory style lone wolf, though. <laughs> where, where he's willing to let people in, but uh, but you have to earn your way in. Well, I, I would I would think that those are some pretty good animals to be your favorite animal. <laughs> she she will be pleased. <laughs> well, I think we, sorry, go ahead, Green Ant. What is her favorite animal by chance? I don't remember what it is this week. <laughs> <laughs> it, it changes constantly. She loves all of them. She wants uh. to be a she wants to be a veterinarian or a doctor. So. She's kind of on that that kick, but she she likes unicorns a lot. I'll have to go search in the forest for one then. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I think I have to ask now. You know, speaking Leah, uh, Leah, of your daughter, she asked uh, Johnny Moran a very important question. Maybe maybe we should ask Green Ant too. Do you like unicorns? I love unicorns. Unicorns are the coolest thing in the world. <laughs> <laughs> What else has a horn and is pretty? Right? Uh, Narwhal. Mm. <laughs> Narwhals are like the unicorns of the sea. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess it's more of a tusk than a than a horn per se. Yeah, and if you look at like a rhinoceros, like they're scary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're uh, they're big and scary. So with that, let's let's jump into some wrestling as we talk WWF Monday Night Raw and In Your House Three for September of 1995. Leah, hit us with that first week of results. 
Okay, so this is September 11th, 1995. We have a Nielsen rating of 2.5 compared to WCW Monday Nitro, 0.1 more. Uh, British Bulldog defeats Razor Ramon via disqualification. The Smoking Guns, Bart Gunn and Billy Gunn defeat Rad Radford and the Brooklyn Brawler. Dr. Isaac Yankum DDS defeats Scott Taylor. Shawn Michaels defeats Psycho Sid with Ted DiBiase to retain the WWF Intercontinental Championship. All right. So, Green Ant, did you have any thoughts on this on this first week of Monday Night Raw? Uh, the, the things that were popping out to me as I was rereading my results uh, was the Smoking Guns versus Rad Radford and the Brooklyn Brawler. Because <laughs> uh, I don't know that there's a better name than Rad Radford. It's, um, a, it's a pretty radical, pretty radical name. Yeah, and the Smoking Guns uh, were a really good tag team. Um, so it was the, just a showcase match for them. Is always was fun to watch. Uh, Isaac Yankum, uh, if I remember, the whole time he was out, this was probably my first Isaac Yankum match watching ever. <laughs> um, and the whole time, uh, Jerry Lawler, Vince McMahon is uh, making comments that Isaac Yankum is the other one's doctor. The dentist is in town, and it was, it was weird for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, Psycho Sid and Shawn Michaels for the IC title. Uh, like, there's, I'm trying to remember because I've watched these long enough ago that uh, they're slipping my brain. Uh, my notes apparently weren't as good as I thought they were at the time. <laughs> the little buzzwords I had aren't buzzing as well. But uh, I'm sure as you start speaking about it, more of it will pop up in my head. <laughs> okay, Leith, what about you? You got any you got any notes from this first week? Uh going going on to uh Rad Radford, our our new favorite. Um he is also known as Louis Spicoli and he's sometimes credited as being the innovator or inventor of the the Death Valley driver, which I thought was interesting. How far he's come from Louis Spicoli to Rad Radford. <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, he uh, he will he will go on to be Louis Spicoli, and that's gonna be that's gonna be some fun in ECW. Uh, now, uh, just kind of going over over my notes here, got a got a couple things. We start to see the granite or marble opening in the WWF introduction. Uh, the broadcast starts out with some highlights of Shawn Michaels and Razor Ramon from SummerSlam. And they're really putting over that this is the new fall season of the WWF. So they're they're kind of playing with the idea of doing seasons, even though the WWE is notorious for being a year-round promotion. Uh, we get to see the new helicopter-slash-riot opening. Uh, and then we cut to... Uh, Jerry the King Lawler and Vince McMahon, who are definitely in front of a blue screen. Uh, it's it's very very obvious that they are in front of a blue screen at this point. Uh, now, the way I understand that these tapings would work is that the matches would be taped, but all the commentary that we're hearing that's that's more or less live commentary, right? Uh, okay. We then get, uh, like we mentioned, the Razor Ramon British Bulldog match, which was actually a pretty solid match. Uh, British Bulldog. Yeah, this is Bulldog coming out as heel, and he's yep. got a whole new look. Fancy British cape. 
this short hair now. It's all fancy and evil. I wonder what I wonder what Jethro Roos would think of that fancy British cape. <laughs> you think he, you think he would like it? He probably stole it if, uh, if I'm not lying. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably sitting in his closet. Uh, and, uh, it, throughout the match, British Bulldog actually hits a really good, like, it's just like a picture-perfect stalling suplex. Of course, Dean Douglas comes out to interfere after the ref is, uh, the referee is knocked out. But the one, two, three kid comes out to help his buddy Razor. But Dean Douglas promptly disposes of him. Uh, the one, two, three kid goes up to the top rope for a diving move. The Bulldog moves. And the one, two, three kid hits uh, Razor Ramon as the ref is uh, the referee is coming to. And as a result, this is where the DQ comes from. The referee throws out the match. Now, dun, dun, dun. Bulldog, uh, <laughs> British Bulldog, and Jim Cornette follow this up by beating up on Razor Ramon and the one, two, three kid. But uh, they eventually have enough of that and leave. And Vince McMahon is in in the ring interviewing Razor Ramon and the kid, and there's a lot of tension between the one, two, three kid and Razor Ramon. And the one, two, three and kid is basically crying through this promo. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, they've had a bit of a falling out because they uh, Razor cost him his match, and now he's costing Razor his match, and everybody's angry. And it's all the fault of that dastardly Dean Douglas. So, uh, Kid is upset that, that Razor's always treating him like a kid, and he challenges Razor next week, and Razor accepts. So yeah, we get the uh, Rad Radford, Brooklyn Brawler, Smoking Guns match. I didn't really have anything uh, to note here as far as that match goes, uh, just except that you know Vince and, and Jerry Lawler are really putting over the new generation through this match, really trying to make a point of, you know, we have new stars. This is where the future is. Uh, <laughs> we then get uh, a Gold Dust promo, and he's talking about, he, he's referencing Night of the Living Dead, and talking about creatures of the night, and he's singling out The Undertaker as a, as a potential person, a potential wrestler he would like to challenge. Gold is light, and he will take down the darkness. <laughs> That's right. I love gold dust. <laughs> uh, Green Ant, any any thoughts on these early gold dust promos? Uh, uh, it's so funny to see those early gold dust promos and like the reaction to it and how it would be received today. Mm-hmm. Um, or it's like now it's just that it's just that dude and drag like that's what he does um like would that character even be made today it's kind of funny to even think about but uh i'm a fan of old gold dust uh it's very much a character that for the time was really good at what he was doing um it's very different and it took a lot of courage to take on those roles so uh, i love them they're creepy <laughs> they're on <laughs> they're out there <laughs> I'd watch more. <laughs> I think that's why he was like always like kind of one of my favorites. Like anytime Goldust would be on, it's like that's what I want to. That's what I want to see. Just somebody real bizarre and out there and intriguing. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's very different than everyone else there. 
Mm-hmm. Um, right off the bat, I mean, even wearing the the wig, like that's it's far different than anyone else that was wrestling for WWF at the time. Yeah, ab- absolutely. So we then get the uh, Isaac Yankum match, and I haven't noticed here uh, noted here that Isaac Yankum's entrance video features Yankum's like mouth with an upper like custom grill that actually reads Yankum. And that's at about 24 minutes one second into the broadcast. Uh, we we get uh, we get some highlights of Isaac Yankum, Jerry Lawler, Bret Hart, that whole uh, sort of uh, feud. That whole story. And then Isaac Yankum with the future Scotty Too Hottie, Scott Taylor. Mm-hmm. And Isaac Yankum actually hits a pretty big choke slam in this match. Uh, King, uh, on commentary, Jerry the King Lawler, actually uh, says that he'd love to see Isaac Yankum's smiling face on the cover of a Rolling Stone, which might possibly be a reference to a really cool band called Dr. Hook and the Medicine Show. Uh, there, there's a there's a song by that name that's uh, that's really cool. So, uh, thought that was uh, interesting. And Isaac Yankum wins with a with a DDT that they promptly call the DDS DDT. And I just thought it was you know interesting that he's using the DDT here as a finisher. But the choke slam was really kind of the most impactful move of the of the whole match. Sorry, I feel ahead. like that. Did, I feel like that dictates, you know, what he winds up doing with Kane later on in his career. That um, <laughs> when his choke slam looks best, and they're giving him the DDS DDT, like uh, they they know what's coming up for him. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I, I really, you know, it's it's really interesting to see very early Glenn Jacobs here as Isaac Yankum. Yeah, he looks so like I don't. I don't know if it was just like the the gear or what, but he looks especially massive in this matchup. <laughs> like I couldn't get like I have like, all my notes are just about his like size because it's just like mind blowing when you really think about how huge this man is. Yeah, and like I think like the the pants and stuff just make him like look that much longer than he probably even actually is. Yeah, a- absolutely. Uh, it was it was a really again just it it's really interesting to see him so early in his career here, uh, and to, now he's mayor. Yeah, now he's a mayor. <laughs> still not a dentist though. Still dentist, not a dentist. dentist. <laughs> it's probably for the best. Yeah. Fingers are too big to reach in people's mouths anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, now, uh, we talk about, uh, you know, we, we move from the Isaac Yankum match. Todd Pettengill is talking about the TV show Mad About You. Everybody remember Mad About You? Yep. Yeah. Nope. Nope. We, we watched it a lot. <laughs> yeah, they, uh, they're talking about Mad About You being moved to Sundays, which I guess is relevant to talking about in your house for some reason. But the the important thing here about this Todd Pettengill segment is Todd Pettengill is finally in a suit that fits. And his hair, he doesn't have the the rat tail. He doesn't look terrible. But he still doesn't look old enough to shave. It's a new season. Yeah, it's a new season. He he does look like a chipmunk. (laughs) 
now, we're through this segment. Todd Pettengill is promising that the main event of In Your House 3 is a triple header main event. Diesel and Shawn Michaels versus Owen Hart and Yokozuna. Diesel will be putting up his WWF championship. Shawn Michaels will be putting up his Intercontinental Championship. Owen and Yokozuna are going to put up the WWF Tag Team Championships. Uh, And this is going to be a match where all of those championships are on the line. Todd mentions that uh, Jim Ross reported rumors about Yokozuna and Owen Hart purposely causing a DQ to uh, retain the championships. And Todd Pettengill says that the interim president, Gorilla Monsoon, has added a stipulation that if any of the four participants intentionally cause a disqualification, Monsoon has the authority to award the championships to the winners of the match. Uh, They're also putting over Razor Ramon versus Dean Douglas at In Your House 3. Bret Hart versus Jean-Pierre Lafitte, because uh, Jean-Pierre Lafitte stole Bret Hart's glasses from a little kid. That's that's being a really mean pirate, is what that is. Indeed. Yeah. Uh, And also, uh, you know, just taking the glasses, the kid's crying, and we're putting over Bam Bam Bigelow versus British Bulldog at In Your House 3 and Savio Vega. So we're just running down the the whole card. And we get uh, Barry Dedinsky plugging Shawn Michaels' gear, like uh, the glasses and hat. If you uh, pay $25, that gets you the Shawn Michaels, like, beret, the heart-shaped glasses, and a Lawrence Taylor WrestleMania poster. <laughs> Gee whiz. Woo! <laughs> what a deal. That's a, that's a heck of a deal. You couldn't get that now. I mean, you, you couldn't spend $25 and get that now. Uh, couldn't spend $25 and get much of anything now. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, you know what you can get? You can get a Green Ant t-shirt and two stickers. That's a pretty there good deal. Go. Get and on where that. Can, where can people buy those at? Uh, greenant.bigcartel.com if you're searching for the steals. Check that out, everybody, because that that is a good deal. <laughs> Sorry, Shawn Michaels and your glasses. Uh, I'm coming for your for your merch. I, I would say that's that's such a steal that we should call you Thief Ant, but there is already a Thief Ant. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, I, uh, he wouldn't appreciate me taking his name. Yeah. Uh, he appreciates taking everything else, but not me taking his name. I've tried. Yeah. So maybe, I don't, I don't know, maybe we need to call you, like, Crazy Ant, and, like, the prices are so low on all this great wrestling merch that you got to be crazy. Uh, Don West Ant. There, uh, there you go. <laughs> That'd be the the best version of this. That would. That would. You can you can get like a Green Ant T-shirt, some stickers, a Sham Wow, one and of a those... Jeff Cherry guitar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Still in stock. Don't worry, we got plenty of them. One of those <laughs> little like uh, chop bullet things. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. We're just giving it all away. <laughs> Uh, but there's uh, there's a really great Shawn Michaels bit where he's backstage and he walks by a ladder and he acts like he's scared of it. Uh, I oh. thought I thought that was pretty pretty great. Uh, we then have the uh, match that Eric Bischoff spoiled for us. What a jerk that guy! <laughs> Shawn Michaels does win the match with sweet chin music. I have it noted here that Earl Hebner almost slips out of the ring. Uh, <laughs> 
But uh, Shawn Michaels wins with the sweet chin music. And then Shawn Michaels starts to uh, get a little risque in the ring. Uh, not surprising. <laughs> yeah, not surprising this era with Shawn Michaels. Uh, we then get an in-your-house promo, and we cut to Shawn Michaels backstage celebrating with Diesel. And Diesel says they're not just two dudes with attitudes, because after after in-your-house three, they're going to be two chaps with all the straps. And that's a really weird phrase and note to end on for that week of Raw. <laughs> any any other thoughts for that week? No. Okay. So we move on to Monday Night Raw, September eighteenth, nineteen ninety five. Gets a Nielsen rating of two point seven, which compared to that same week, WCW Monday Nitro is zero point eight more. Uh, the one two three kid defeats Razor Ramon. The Million Dollar Corporation, uh, the team of Tatanka and Kama with Ted DiBiase, defeat Savio Vega and Bob Holly. And your main event is Owen Hart and Yokozuna with Jim Cornette and Mr. Fuji defeating Men on a Mission, King Mabel and Sir Moe. Green Ant, any, any thoughts on this week? Uh, I was... The 1-2-3 the kid raised a Ramon match. Uh... It's always good when those two go together. Uh, one, two, three, kid was amazing for his time. <laughs> uh, he's even still amazing by today's standards. Uh, Jean-Paul Lafitte is a petrifying man, uh, as much then as he is now. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, seeing him in person, uh, even in today, is is scary. <laughs> and seeing him <laughs> wrestle in an enhancement dude is uh, petrifying. <laughs> and then. Uh, the the tag match was was interesting because uh, men on a mission uh viscera at that time like they're both just really big guys <laughs> um yokozuna and owen i think this was my first time watching them as a tag team uh, it, was, it was interesting to see how they played together uh and, and jim cornett's their uh uh manager for these right mm-hmm. i remember yeah. Yes. Uh, Jim Cornette and uh, Mr. Fuji. Yeah. Like. <laughs> Yokozuna needs two managers. Yeah. Like, <laughs> man, are they good? <laughs> it's always great watching them on the outside. Yeah, they they are some they are some fantastic managers. Those guys. So. Uh, I do have uh, some notes here as far as uh, that week, Leith. Before I jump into that, do you got any thoughts? I can just go through while you're going through yours. (laughs) (laughs) Jump in when necessary. Okay. So uh, we get the the broadcast starts out with sort of a a last week, you know, last week on Monday Night Raw promo. Uh, We get, uh, you know, again, we're talking about uh, the 123 Kid versus Razor Ramon. I have it noted here that... uh, the girls are all about Razor. He's uh, he's pretty over with the female the female demographic. Yeah, I just said that the the ladies are psyched for this one. Yeah, I think they're fans of both at this point. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we get uh, we get some highlights of what happened last week, and uh, with with this match, uh, the one two three kid. There, there's a ref bump again. The ref goes out. 
and, and gets knocked out. The one, two, three kid is sort of like rolled to the outside after a particular maneuver, and Dean Douglas comes in and hits a flying splash to the back of uh, Razor Ramon, and he gets himself out of the ring. One, two, three kid has no idea what happened, but he manages to get the pin on Razor Ramon. And then from there we cut to Dean Douglas's The Report card. Cue fingernails scratching on the on the chalkboard. He gives uh, 123 Kid a grade of D for dumb. He gives Razor Ramon a grade of E for elevate, because he needs to, like, elevate his performance. He gives his performance, his own performance, as as... The Dean, he gives his own performance on Raw a grade of A for a conclusion, right? And says it in your house, he's going to give a grade of N for no-brainer, because it's a no-brainer that he should beat Razor Ramon. And of course, this all spells out Dean. (laughs) Long way to go for that. (laughs) <laughs> the punchline took yeah. so long to set up. Uh, now for Savio Vega versus Bob, Ho- uh, Savio Vega and Bob Holly versus Tatanka and Kama. I just haven't noted that that match went way longer than it needed to be. Man, um, my biggest comments on this one was just that the I thought it was interesting that commentary kept alluding to the fact that Bob Holly is a hothead and not a tag wrestler. Yeah, which is kind of what we've heard about Bob Holly, like as a as a human being, he's not necessarily the best at putting over other guys. <laughs> yeah, so it's kind of a, a doomed tag team to begin with. So it's kind of like, why is this even happening? <laughs> yeah, and I suppose I, I, I suppose I should apologize. We did leave out the Jean Pierre Lafitte Brian Roche match. But uh, uh, on the results, that's on me. I forgot to take oh, that okay. out. It's okay. I left out the uh, the Bob Holly match in my results. So yeah. <laughs> it's a very important matchup because obviously Savio Vega and Bob Holly go on to be tag champs and now legends, uh, Hall of Fame <laughs> careers for <laughs> absolute legends, <laughs> and. Uh, Throughout uh, throughout that match, Jean-Pierre Lafitte versus uh, Brian Roche, you know, we're, we're seeing that uh, Jean-Pierre Lafitte has stolen Brett's jacket, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, Brett Hart is calling from the set of Lonesome Dove, which uh, those are, I think, some season two episodes. So I guess we might have to have to watch that, Leith, when we get to him. Lonesome. Oh, boy. Yeah, it's a Western. What's not to love? All of it? No, you don't. Like I don't Westerns? even like. I don't even like the title. <laughs> <laughs> this does not sound like a show I would ever want to watch. <laughs> and why would he be in it and not like the Smoking Guns? <laughs> because they were busy being over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're they're busy, man. Like, Try. Random Canadian dude on a Western. I don't know. I'm not buying it. <laughs> I'm, I'm all in on it. I'm, <laughs> I'm more all in than the Young Bucks. 
Yeah, I don't think I don't think there's much to be said of of Bret Hart's acting career on on westerns, but uh, might be fun to to watch an episode. Yeah, considering he can't even like deliver a promo very well, <laughs> I don't know how he's going to be as an actor. <laughs> right. So there we then <laughs> we then uh, go to the uh, Owen Hart Yokozuna men on a mission match and they're talking about how they had to to reinforce the ring because you you have yokozuna in there at over 600 pounds and mabel at 568 pounds so that's that's a whole lot of lot of heavy heavy lifted in that ring uh i i, I noted here that uh, this whole match seems like just a setup to rib world championship wrestling because these are these are arguably the biggest boys, so to speak. Right. <laughs> so it's like yeah, yeah. Like I, I can just see Vince in the back being like, "We got the biggest boys, pal. Let's go go have a match." You want to see where the big boys play? Yeah, I'll show you. <laughs> It'll be great. They want big boys. We'll give them big boys. Ah, uh, now there's uh, there's actually a really great spot in the match where uh, Mo, uh, Sir Mo, and Owen Hart hit like a double spin wheel kick against one another, and uh, ultimately Owen and Yokozuna get the win, and we get some comments from Shawn Michaels and Diesel, and then a great Jim Cornette promo, and we we end the broadcast with. Uh, Vince McMahon and, and Jerry the King Lawler in front of the blue screen uh, promoting the following week after In Your House. So, any any last thoughts before we move on to In Your House 3? I think we're good. Think we're good? Okay. Yeah. So. Alright. Well, let's get on to WWF In Your House 3. Leith, hit us with some results. So that takes place on September 24th, 1995. Had a buy rate of 0.7. That's 0.22 more than Fall Brawl War Games. Uh, Buy rate box office was $929,073.60 less than Fall Brawl War Games. The attendance was... What is that number? (laughs) (laughs) 5,146. That's 100... Oh, no, sorry, 1,454 less people than Fall Brawl War Games. Um, Tendence box office was 9,608 less than Fall Brawl War Games. Total box office, 938,681.60 less than Fall Brawl War Games. We had Savio Vega defeating Waylon Mercy, Psycho Sid with Ted DiBiase defeating Henry O'Godwin. British Bulldog defeats Bam Bam Bigelow. Dean Douglas with Bob Backlund defeating Razor Ramon. Bret Hart defeats Jean-Pierre Lafitte. Two Dudes with Attitudes, Diesel and Shawn Michaels, defeat the British Bulldog and Yokozuna to become the new WWF Tag Team Champions. So, Green Ant, any any thoughts on, on In Your House? What do you remember about In Your House 3? Uh, I, I just watched this one last night, too, because uh, I wanted to save the big pay-per-views for uh for as close as i could get so i could remember them mostly uh waylon mercy was <laughs> quite the character 
the Bray Wyatt before Bray Wyatt. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but the whole match was overshadowed by uh, Savio Vega's hand symbol shaved into the back of his head. <laughs> <laughs> that hang loose hand symbol. Yeah, it was amazing. Like that's it's a good barber right there. Uh, contrary to Jim Ross saying he must have went to uh, some sort of vet or a pet shop to do it. Uh, the, the Henry Goodwin match, all about being slopped, uh, was a little strange. Um, yeah, I think at this era, like Vince seems to especially love any of those like gross matches. So we had like the 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 king, all that lead up to the king's feet and all that. Come, uh, it's just, some it's really gross. gross stuff happened. He's yeah. covered in slop. Uh, just... And he's like, oh, that's that's today's lunch. Who's eating that? No one's eating that. Come on, Vince. Let's be real here. <laughs> you're not. You're not convincing anyone of this. <laughs> um, Bam Bam Bigelow versus British Bulldog was really good. Um, especially like heel British Bulldog against Bam Bam was. Uh, I enjoyed watching that a lot. Uh, having never seen a Dean Douglas match before uh, last night, it was a it's a very interesting story to tell, and mm-hmm. especially having the one two three kid come in. And count the pinfall, which is actually not the pinfall, and turns it all around. Like it was, uh, it was fun to watch. I enjoyed it. Had a hoot. Um, <laughs> uh, the Bret Hart versus Jean Pierre Lafitte. Oh, I had to text the Cajun Crawdad uh, after Jean Pierre does uh, you know, flip to the floor and no one catches him. He <laughs> lands on his own. Like I see how he got the idea to murder you. Um, <laughs> he was doing this. 20 years ago. Uh, it's amazing to, to see. Uh, uh, he's even in this match just as um, uh, reckless uh, with his body as he is now. Uh, at one point, yeah. he's punching, punching Brett in the corner and trips over his own feet, falls backwards, and <laughs> has to recover himself. Uh, I was baffled by... Um, how little has changed with him <laughs> over the years. Um, then the uh, the main event where they're they're hyping up the whole show on uh, Owen Hart's not not around and no one can find him and uh, Jim Cornette's got to find a new uh, replacement. Like it's not the British Bulldog. There's no way it's the British Bulldog. And then it becomes a British Bulldog. Uh, that was <laughs> I was just like. Well, of course it's the British Bulldog. He's the only other guy in the stable. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, I have some I have some notes. And Leslie, if you wanna you wanna touch on anything? Um, no. Honestly, for me, this whole pay per view was not as memorable as the WCW one. Mm-hmm. So it's just you know watch our our or listen to our uh, more like riff tracky style version. Yeah, go check that out. Listen to if you want to hear Leith and I cover this long form, go check out our Rift Tracks episode and listen to us cover it long form. Uh, just some some quick notes and highlights I got from rewatching the event. Uh, just that Todd Pettengill doing the the very intro for the show felt off. Uh, Waylon Mercy looks like a pair of legs just attached to a face. He's very. He's very leggy, is what I noticed. Uh, and, and the one thing I noted here, kind of rewatching this this pay per view, was that 
It's harder to build a pay-per-view event on the basis that all of your championships are going to be contested in a singular match, like like was done here, and it demands a stronger undercard with with a lot of strength behind the stories. And while I I mean I personally thought it was better than a WCW pay-per-view, at least what we've seen thus far, anyways. Uh, we haven't been given any reason to care about this opening match, Savio Vega versus Waylon Mercy. And that feels almost sort of like the tone for, for the rest of this. Uh, because, yeah, I mean, there's, uh, there's say, like, uh, Bret Hart versus Jean-Pierre Lafitte and Sid versus Henry O'Godden. Like, we're given a little bit of a reason to care about those. But those matches would have benefited from more storytelling being done on Monday Night Raw. Uh now, yeah, I think that's why it's like it's stuff like this doesn't stick with me as much because you can have a great match, but if it's not like there's no like not enough storytelling within the match or leading up to it, I'm not gonna really remember it. Like it just doesn't stick with me. So I think that's why the the WCW pay per view stood out so much more, especially that um the first match with Johnny B. Bad and Brian Pillman cause there's just the storytelling within the match itself was so memorable. Yeah. But you didn't get that quite as much with the the raw one as like there are solid matches but not enough for me to like like to stick out to me in any way. Mm. Yeah, and especially like Waylon Mercy making his pay-per-view debut on this show like and they're like, "Oh, Savio Vega debuted the month before or at the last in your house." Like Yeah, they loses something. And and Waylon Mercy was such an interesting character like he had that kind of cape fear thing going for him he's creepy and 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 dark but they didn't really ever do much with that it was just kind of like that's his character and like what can you build upon that give us some (laughs) some more story (laughs) yeah like uh like it's the same thing as what happened to bray wyatt where it's like he just south he just spouts words but like there comes to a point where it's like, I need you to do more than just spout words at me. Yeah. <laughs> they just don't, they don't ever execute. It's like they kind of miss the, the point of these kind of almost like horror movie type characters. It's like they can't, they can't just exist. Like you gotta <laughs> give them a purpose. You, you gotta, yeah. you gotta pull the trigger on them with some good writing. And really, it hasn't been done right outside of The Undertaker, Kane, Mankind, and I would even argue Gold Dust. Uh, Gold Dust, I, I think, when we when we dive into him more and we, we see more of him, I think uh, there were definitely opportunities that uh, could have served Gold Dust better. But overall, I think he's had a, a pretty good career. Uh, but I just I think when you look at somebody like Waylon Mercy uh, is a good example. Sting when he is going to don the crow stuff, is a good example. You have to sort of go all out on a lot of these. And if you're going to go for that sort of like supernatural element, then there's a lot of little things that you kind of have to like micromanage for it to be successful. And you yeah, have it's, like, it's almost like they have to write like a secondary story just for this character. Yeah. It's like write... Not just like a regular feud, but have like an actual like 
storyline kind of taken from like a horror movie or, or like a suspense type movie and, and write it for that character within the world of wrestling. Yeah. So it's like it's kind of a hard balance. Like it's hard to 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 figure out how to do that without it taking like cause you have to write everybody else too. <laughs> yeah. Well, and so I they're think... just they're hard characters to to work with in general in the world of wrestling, but I'm sure that somebody out there can find a way to really do it right. Yeah, I, I think do... you have to be to be willing to take a lot of risks with that type of character too. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, Waylon Mercy didn't pan out because Dan Spivey uh, would would retire soon after this because of right. lingering injuries. So they're they're might have been bigger plans for him, but when they saw him kind of get in the ring and moving around and, you know, everything kind of came to light about his lingering in- injury issues, that might have been the reason they didn't pull the trigger on him, which which is smart. You wouldn't want to do that and then have that person be unavailable. Right? Mm-hmm. But there, there have definitely existed some opportunities better opportunities for characters like like Sting or, or even, you know, Jean-Pierre Lafitte's another good example. Like, these these are obviously super talented wrestlers. It's just, the gimmicks aren't even that bad that you're you're putting them with. It's just a lack of, of investment in writing for the character. Mm-hmm. Because... Like when, I, and I think you would you would want to draw from something like the early days where they they booked the way they booked somebody like the Undertaker. You don't have to put them in that main event spot right away, but draw from the way that you were writing for that character. Uh, now, one other thing, getting back to in your house three, I noticed is that uh, the people in the front row on the hard camera side look like Waylon Merson's uh, <laughs> Waylon Merson. Waylon Mercy's family, and they're booing Savio after he wins the match. Like, they've just got that sort of, like, stringy, long, dark hair like Waylon Mercy. They, they look like they could be related to him. So I don't know, maybe maybe Dan Spivey got his got his family some, some seats. <laughs> uh, I noted that the uh, Sid versus Henry O. Godwin match feels like a big push for Godwin, but a demotion for Sid. But uh, Godwin looks pretty good here. He actually manages to suplex Sid, which is no small feat. Uh, JR is talking throughout the match, talking about how Henry O. Godwin's a good old country boy, a pig farmer, and that he was a former FAA member. And uh, King manages to zing JR with probably the best line of the night because he says, You know what Oklahoma's, uh, or excuse me, you know what Arkansas' state motto is? At least we're not Oklahoma. And that was, I I got a chuckle out of that. I also noted here that uh, the reverse DDT, that slop drop that Henry O. Godwin hits, I like that move. I've always been a big fan of the reverse DDT. Uh, We then have the comma, bam bam, coming out, interfering. There's the slop incident. And I just noted that the Million Dollar Corporation really deserved to be better, like a better faction than a comedic foil. And Ted DiBiase especially deserved better. Any any thoughts on that before we keep going? No. no? Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. Nobody agrees or disagrees. Uh, uh it, it felt like a demotion for yeah. sure for Sid. But like, 
I guess they needed something to do with Henry Goodwin. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like they just keep trying to get Henry O'Godwin to, to do something. They're like, this is going to work this time, maybe. And they're like, we're, well, we are paying him, so we should probably... We should Let it go. We'll, we'll give him a main event push. Like, We'll, yeah. we'll push him against our main eventer, see what happens. Doesn't work? Oh, well. Down we go. Don't forget about <laughs> it every month. Uh, now, we have the uh, Bam Bam Bigelow British Bulldog match, and this was one of the matches on the card that we necessarily don't have a whole lot of reason to, to care about. The only argument that could be made is that, well, Diesel was Bam Bam Bigelow's friend, and the British Bulldog turned on Diesel. But they haven't built this match up that way, like, at all. There's been no talk of that throughout throughout Raw or anything. So we aren't given any any sort of reason to care. But uh, Bam Bam Bigelow, it's a, it's a good match. It's a solid match. Bam Bam Bigelow manages to hit a heck of an enziguri, which is impressive given his size. Uh, and I have it noted here that Bam Bam Bigelow, A, definitely deserves a spot in the Hall of Fame. I think we can agree on that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he he deserved, like, a solid Intercontinental Championship run, I thought, after watching this. Like, he could go, and he really deserved, like, a, like a good title opportunity. Uh, now... Backland is out. He he cuts this promo as he's introducing Dean Douglas and Leith. This is Bob Backlund. This is your boy. <laughs> uh, Bob Backlund and Dean Douglas seems like it should have been a perfect matchup, and I, I feel like they should have done more with this right from the get go. And I feel like they they always try to put Backlund with people, and it just never seems to quite pan out the way they expect. Yeah, but it, it feels like this team-up should have, like, should be the dream. Because you've got this sort of obnoxious, scholastic character and Bob Backlund. So, I, I just thought that was that was interesting. Uh, now, And they're both kind of this, like, intellectual snobs of, of a sort. Yeah, absolutely. Even their uh, focuses differ a bit, but they they kind of have that same mentality. Uh, Green Ant, any any thoughts on Bob Backlund? Um, he's he's crazy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it's he's been in so many different uh, factions, I guess. Um, over the years, that like it's amazing that they don't pan out. <laughs> like they've they've given him every chance. It just hasn't hasn't worked out yet. Yeah, it's uh, he he is crazy, very very much so. And my husband absolutely hates him, and I don't know why, but it's hilarious. Like he gets like so annoyed when Bob Backlund's like anywhere or even mentioned. It's <laughs> <laughs> just like one of those people. I don't know what it is, but he just can't stand him, and he hates the the. Uh, his like finisher. No, the chicken wing. The yeah, chicken wing. Yeah. <laughs> He's like it's so stupid. So good. <laughs> the only highlight for me. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's uh, he. He is crazy, and his ramblings sound like the result of watching too much Fox News. 
mm-hmm. uh, is is what I what I noticed. Uh, but uh, th- there is a really interesting uh, point in the match where Dean Douglas gets tossed over the top rope by Razor Ramon, and this is at about 50 minutes into the, into the program. And uh, Jerry the King Lawler calls for Razor to be disqualified, and this feels like a knock at WCW. Mm. Because that's just again a very silly rule. It is. Yeah. So I I, I miss a lot of the commentary because it's not all captioned. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why like I I don't pick up on all the little things that you seem to. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, they said that really. <laughs> that's okay. That's that's what that's why we do this. Yeah, it's like I kind of wish that the the captioning was a little better because it's like I feel like I'm missing a lot. <laughs> uh, as long as you didn't miss uh, in the the Razor Ramon match, they dropped a, a line about how hard Razor is, like his upbringing, that his school book had an obituary section, <laughs> <laughs> and I was baffled. I was like, <laughs> "That's great." Is that something really to uh, celebrate? <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna kill you so bad. You, you gonna wish you hadn't been killed so bad. Uh, yeah, there was like, yeah, he's so rough. Uh, his yearbook had an obituary. Like, oh, okay, that's just sad. It's, uh, it's children dying. You're talking about there, Jerry? Not a joke. <laughs> it's not something that ages particularly well. No. Oh my goodness, that's pretty bad. Yeah. So, the the other weird thing about all this is the one two three kid out here. That like hmm. like Green Ant touched on, like he's out here counting the pen. Who is he helping? What what is he doing? It's just the most nonsensical. Like, why are you out here? Yeah, like that's not how you would be helping Razor. <laughs> like, so it's like maybe he's trying to like trick him and and is pretending that he was just trying to help him. It's it's a bad, weird thing. And then after after all this goes down and after Dean Douglas takes advantage of this to get the win, Razor and the one two three kid are about at each other's throats. Yeah, like, like they are selling the tension, and one, two, three, kid is throwing some crazy karate kicks. It's <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's just like you you just cost the man a match. Like you you should expect to get beat up a little after that. Yeah, like I don't understand <laughs> how how you think he's how how you're surprised that he's mad. Uh, it's just a weird spot. <laughs> Like, what were they thinking in the, in the back coming up with that? <laughs> thinking that nobody would notice. That's what was <laughs> they were thinking. Uh, now, uh, after that, we get Alundra Blaze out here because, uh, you know, we're paying her, so uh, let's get her out here to sell some T-shirts. we got to remind people there are actually women on this program. Yeah. Not that, uh, not that we're going to have them wrestle or anything. Come on. Slow down, guys. That's, uh... You already had, like, one or two women's matches this year, Leith. How many more do you need? 
<sighs> Spoiled. <laughs> and then, yeah, we uh, we get uh, the Bulldog out to help with this tag team match because Owen Hart is supposedly missing. And so Bulldog is uh, out to fill that spot because, of course, he is. He's, uh, he's now a member of Camp Cornette. Uh, but this match actually really does a lot to elevate the British Bulldog as a contender. Like, as a contender for both the Intercontinental Championship and even the, the WWF Championship. Because he's in there and he's hanging with Diesel and Shawn Michaels. Like this, I, I feel like this really kind of elevates the Bulldog's stance on the roster. Any, anybody else have any thoughts on that? Mm. No? Okay. Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, we, we do get a cool, like, uh, double-team elevated splash from Shawn Michaels off the shoulders of Diesel. And, and I also have it noted here that Mabel might have been the last of the sort of, like, colossal super heavyweights that we've seen in a really long time. Because he was with the WWE right up until the mid-2000s as uh, Viscera and then subsequently Big Daddy V. And I don't think we've seen any wrestler that size really since. Right? Uh, Trying to think. I mean, Mm -hmm. guys like Samoa Joe and Kevin Owens are big dudes, but... They're they're, not that big. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like there's been a couple on the, the... that are a bit bigger on the indie scene, like uh, like Puff's a big dude. Mm-hmm. But I don't know about like. Uh, big, well, big... There's certainly like large men that wrestle. Uh, right. Yeah. But like to that level. Yeah, I don't know. No. They they've kind of steered away from that. Like anything that kind of promotes an. Like uh, that, like obesity. Kind of, yeah, or like even just like like they kind of st- are steering more away from like the overly like steroid looking bodybuilds too. Well, I would I would think it has less to do with uh, like an obesity thing and more just it at some point and they you know they've talked about this and we we've touched on this with talking about Yokozuna that at, at a certain point it becomes a risk to work with you in the ring. Mm-hmm. And I, I would think that's probably why they have started steering away from performers like that, at least maybe in the uh, sort of uh, through a promotion like WWE anyway, because it's like we don't want you to get hurt to that point where you're of no use to us, right? I don't know. I don't know what it is because I know they also have changed so many of their policies or yeah. Supposedly, because they have, like, all these new wellness policies in place, or they're constantly testing for, like, drug use and different things, so I'm sure there's probably something with that as well, because it's not, they're supposed to be promoting these, like, more of a healthy body type than something that would potentially be dangerous and all that kind of stuff. Because... Anything that could lead to, you know, like heart failure or that down the road. Like, they don't want to promote that. Mm-hmm. So, that's probably even within their wellness policy that I don't know if there would be like a weight limit or or the different. I'm sure there's different testing. Like, even for us, because for, my husband works at a hospital, we have to get 
test it and have our BMI and everything tested mm. to be on our insurance. Mm. Yeah. So I don't know. With, and that's like the hospital's wellness policy. So I'd imagine that it'd be something similar with uh, working for WWE, especially with them like traveling all over and different things. Yeah. Well, people being on their case about all kinds of stuff. So. I, I think they have more access than ever to, you know, a dietitian. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there's more of a access to having help to get into a better shape. There's more desire to be in a better shape to keep up with everyone that's coming up. Yeah. Right. Well, and I, I it's, th- just, it's a very different scene. Now yeah. Than it was then, so it's kind of hard to to really compare the two. Yeah, absolutely. And I think part of it, too, is that, you know, when they had guys like Yokozuna, Vader, Mabel, you know, there were concerns about about their own health, right? Mm-hmm. And I know Vince spent uh, a lot of time and maybe even a lot of money to uh, try to help get these guys in better shape. Right. Uh, you know, it wasn't... Uh, wasn't necessarily about like, well, we want you to have the six pack abs and and you know the the big guns and everything. So much as it's about like, we don't want something awful to happen to you in our ring. Like we don't want you to to die in our ring. So they would, you know, Vince and and the WWF to that extent would spend money to send guys like Vader and Yoko and uh, uh, Mabel down to like different health clinics and everything. And they would give them, like, time frames and, and weight goals. And, like, look, we need you to hit this weight goal or there there could be, like, a fine or something. So, but but I think we, we've touched on some really good points as far as that goes. I, I just thought it was uh, real interesting to, to think about. So, we have the last week of uh, Monday Night Raw. And that's uh, September 25th, 1995. That week gets a Nielsen rating of 1.9. Compared to WCW Monday Nitro for that same week, that's 0.8 less. Uh, Now, Marty Jannetty makes a comeback and defeats Skip with Sonny. Uh, The Smoking Guns, Bart Gunn and Billy Gunn, defeat Owen Hart and Yokozuna with Jim Cornette and Mr. Fuji to become the new WWF Tag Team Champions. And The Undertaker, with Paul Bearer, defeats the British Bulldog with Jim Cornette. Now, we mentioned that uh, on In Your House 3, Shawn Michaels and Diesel won that match, so they should be declared the new Tag Team Champions, right? And Gorilla Monsoon even promised a title change from that main event. But uh, that's that's not so much what happens here on Monday Night Raw as we're as we're going to learn. But uh, Greenit, you got any thoughts on this last week of Monday Night Raw? Greenit still with us? I don't know. So, sorry, I muted, <laughs> I, I, I muted my microphone so I could eat some chips. Ah. Um, <laughs> uh, disappeared. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll save my thoughts for, uh, after your rundown because my okay. notes aren't sparking any straight inspiration okay. as I look at them. Leah? I was damn in the, the same boat with this one. Okay. 
<laughs> well, let's let's go ahead and uh, do the rundown then. So, it was only on this week of Monday Night Raw, watching the uh, the new opening, the helicopter riot rooftop opening, that I noticed that there's a giant inflatable Undertaker in the opening. It's uh, it's real hard to see because the camera is never directly focused on it. But uh, if you look for it, it's there. It's uh, usually in the upper left-hand corner. I'll maybe try to see if I can get a picture of it up. But I thought that was <laughs> that was pretty interesting that they have a giant inflatable Undertaker for this uh, opening. Uh, but uh, before we get the opening, we get sort of uh, some highlights of the triple header, and then cut to Jim Cornette with Clarence Mason. Attorney Clarence Mason is making his WWF debut. And uh, they touch on the fact that uh, thanks to Jim Cornette and Clarence Mason, uh, excuse me, Clarence Mason's threats of litigation, Gorilla Monsoon has been forced to strip the tag team championships from Diesel and Shawn Michaels. But lo and behold, Gorilla Monsoon has ordered a rematch for those championships. Now, this all has to do with the way In Your House ended, with uh, Owen Hart being the one to take the pinfall, because he did come back. But Owen Hart was, A, not in the match, and B, not the legal man. So the titles couldn't have possibly changed hands. So that uh, title change that we were all promised was all for nothing. Hooray! Hooray! (laughs) My favorite title change. (laughs) It's a complete non-starter. So, moving from there, we have uh, Marty Jannetty versus Skip. Green Ant, you got any fond Marty Jannetty memories? Uh, I remember watch. I, I remember watching this match and being like, "Man, this is why uh, Marty Jannetty was considered the you know was considered to be with Shawn Michaels." Like when they started, Shawn Michaels out and they put him with him. It's like he's really fun. <laughs> <laughs> so, but he's still rolling in the rockers gear, and it's just real sad. <laughs> right. Um, uh, he's he's been around the car locker room a lot, but like never any of the times that I'm there. Uh, so there's plenty. I hear plenty of stories about him, but uh, nothing from personal use yet. Uh, <laughs> no personal exposure to him yet. But uh, I'm hoping that comes up soon. It sounds like uh, he sounds like a great guy to meet. Yeah. Uh, it was. Uh, it was a. Pretty solid match between uh, Marty Jannetty and Skip. Uh, there's a sign in front, in the very front of the hard camera side, that says, Nitro ran out of gas, Raw runs on diesel power. <laughs> and I have no idea if that's a plant or not, but that's pretty clever. Just go, who writes these signs? Yeah. Uh, now... Uh, Marty Jannetty hugs Sonny, to which she is very much greatly offended. As one should be. As one should be. Uh, And uh, ultimately, Dean Douglas is out here actually taking notes during the match? Yep. I mean, what else is he going to do? Yeah. (laughs) It's an important match, because obviously Dean is feuding with none of these people. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Yet. It's coming up. He feels it. He knows what... He sees the writing on the wall. <laughs> You're facing Marty next, and he'll be ready for him. Yeah. So, 
Uh, we then cut to some highlights of Clarence Mason cross-examining Gorilla Monsoon. Did you say so-and-so? Did you say so-and-so? You know, and Gorilla Monsoon's yes, yes I did. But there were extenuating circumstances, etc. And uh, so, again, we're, we're really... We're really getting to see that Clarence Mason is not an attorney to be messed with. He's making Gorilla Monsoon sweat a little bit here. But I think Gorilla gets uh, gets the upper hand and ultimately walks out looking like the victor because he's like, okay, fine, but uh, there's still going to be a rematch down the line. And the championships are going to be on the line. Uh, now, from there we get uh, Yokozuna and Owen Hart versus the Smoking Guns. I haven't noted here that Bart and Billy look like they belong on the covers of, like, old Western Harley Quinn romance novels. Mm. They give off that vibe very strongly. Probably intentional. Probably intentionally. That would, I would imagine that would be kind of like the the lady wrestler fans of 95 would be into all those, like, Harlequin romance novels. Probably. Se- seems like a pretty good crossover. Has, but, uh, has anyone ever had to read one of those? No. No? I've, <laughs> I've avoid, I always avoid that section. Sorry. <laughs> I know, I know uh, my mom and grandma were always big into those. I mean, just boxes of those books. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, and, uh, I did want to note that the the smoking guns were also the first tag team to face Yokozuna and Owen Hart as a tag team. That's true. Yeah, uh, from <laughs> WrestleMania. That's right. Very good, Leah. Uh, yep. Uh, <laughs> That's what I'm here for. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we also get uh, we we get to see that Shawn Michaels and Diesel are watching from the back, just kind of again huddled in some sort of closet on a very tiny TV. Uh, the guns managed to hit their signature move. I believe it's called the Sidewinder, that sort of backbreaker leg drop combination. And the guns win! The Smoking Guns managed to win the WWF Tag Team Championships. This brings out Shawn Michaels and Diesel, who are celebrating with the guns, and everybody's all smiles. Uh, Doc Hendricks is there, and... Uh, we also get uh, the British Bulldog versus Undertaker match, which is your main event. There's a really weird spot in the match where the Undertaker hits a big boot on the British Bulldog, but Bulldog sells it kind of weird. He sort of like falls to the side in a really weird way. It looks really clumsy. Uh, but we we also see... Uh, that King Mabel and Sir Moe are watching this match because Undertaker is setting out to avenge some losses, one of which was King Mabel at King of the Ring. Mm-hmm. So King Mabel and Sir Moe are watching from the entrance ramp, and so is Waylon Mercy? Yep. For some reason? Yeah. Well, what else is he going to do? I mean, he is a creep. <laughs> He's getting paid. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, you know, he's kind of that creeper stalker mentality why wouldn't he be out there doing weird things yeah <laughs> he's getting paid that's all that matters <laughs> it's either that or sitting catering all night long you know you can't do that forever yeah 
you, you don't want to you don't want to let those hands get you know just be around catering all night. Yeah, it's a bad time. Uh, but uh, there's a big choke slam to the British Bulldog, and then as the Undertaker is setting something up, King Mabel and Sir Mo come out to the ring and lead to a distraction. The Bulldog hits a big knee against the back of the Undertaker, leading to uh, Mabel hitting the Undertaker with a big belly-to-belly. But uh, Shawn Michaels and Diesel come out to the rescue of the Undertaker. And this brings out Owen Hart and Yokozuna. And that brings out the Smoking Guns, who, as we said before, already looked like they belonged on the cover of Harlequin Western-themed romance novels, but now they really look the part because they're still lathered and and wet from their post-match shower. Like, there's soap dripping off them. Uh, we then, you know, have a stare-off, stare-down between the, the good guys and our bad guys, and eventually everybody kind of calms down, Undertaker shakes some hands, and then Shawn Michaels and Diesel are just in the ring by themselves dancing? Like, posing, and yeah. and just, yeah, and, get your cameras out, everybody. That's right. And Vince is dancing to Shawn Michaels' music. And then we get highlights of the Razor Ramon 123Kid Dean Douglas situation from In Your House. And then some hints, uh, they drop some hints that the 123Kid might be negotiating with Ted DiBiase. What could be going on there? But it, it feels like they they had a lot of extra time at the end of the show and didn't know how to <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Did anyone else get that vibe? Uh, yeah. It it just seemed like they had a video package that they wanted to show. Yeah. Like, you know what would be the perfect time to show it? At the end of the show, after everything else was finished, and it seemed like everyone's tuned out. Yeah. Uh, now, uh, as far as uh, overall, for September of 1995, the WWF, or WWE, also won just two nights in September. Again, just based on uh, ratings alone. Uh, but their average rating was 1.42, which was uh, 0.48 points less than WCW Monday Nitro. Again, as we've discussed, Nitro had a bit of an advantage because the WWF was preempted the first week of September. So before we dive into ECW, do we have any thoughts on this month in September? Green Ant, any, any final thoughts on the WWF? Uh, it, it's clear that this is where people would start wanting to tune out from WWF. I mean, you get Waylon, <laughs> you get Waylon Mercy just hanging out on the apron, on the the entrance ramp for matches. Uh, there's a lot of old wrestling going on still there. Um, not through old people, but uh, old mentalities. Sure, sure. So like an uh, older, creative sort of booking mentality. Yeah. And WWF. Matches. <laughs> it's it's kind of funny. It feels like like WWF always gets a little bit behind the times in a lot of ways, and then they kind of get stuck. So I think WCW coming around and and sort of taking us into the the modern age of the '90s sort of pushed them to be like, oh crap, it's not like 1970 anymore. Like we should probably change things up a little. <laughs> like we gotta we gotta stop booking this way. We gotta stop writing this way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I feel, and I feel like they're they're kind of almost at that point nowadays as well, where it's like they're kind of 
stuck in this like old mentality of like oh it's still 2004 and it's like no like you gotta move forward stagnate (laughs) yeah yeah and that's where like uh back then it was the advent of wcw this year people are trying to say the advent of uh, all elite wrestling is going to do the same thing to them i mean Um, now honestly that would be great if it did (laughs) it'd be great for wrestling as a whole if we got you know somebody to kind of make wwe up their game again and and step into the modern age yeah they they have definitely grown stagnant and more wrestling is always good yeah shikara (laughs) is options and more places to go just all of it (laughs) i i can't stress enough that uh as a wrestling fan, you should always be out there looking for new wrestling. Uh, check, you know, figure out what it is you like about wrestling and check out wrestling that, that speaks to you on those same levels. And check out local places, because there's, Absolutely. Like, like, around here, like, you get, like, the PA, New Jersey, New York area, there's so many different promotions, it's, like, absurd. Like, you could probably go to a wrestling event, like, every weekend if you really wanted to. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And also, check out Excellence Professional Wrestling and Shakara Professional Wrestling. You should do both of those things, because those guys are great. Those guys and gals put on fantastic shows consistently. And you're not going to be frustrated like you are with the current WWE product. So, check that out. So... I would say, I, I think, uh, speaking to, to Green Ant and Leith, uh, to your points, yeah, there, there's definitely still a bit of an older sort of uh, creative and booking mentality at this time. Uh, this could have to do with the fact that Bill Watts is now a part of the booking team at this point, or doing some work with the WWF. So I, I think that could be part of the part of the reason that we're seeing this sort of older mentality with uh, what we've seen for this month. So, I think with that, I think we can jump into Extreme Championship Wrestling, East EW. Are we supposed to do the chant now? ECW. ECW. <laughs> We've all done the chant. <laughs> so, Green Ant, any, any fond memories of ECW before we sort of jump into... into dissecting it uh my first exposure to ecw was the uh the one night stand pay-per-view that was really yeah i I was old enough to watch this Uh, yeah that's fair (laughs) look i'm Um, i'm 30 and i still don't feel like i'm old enough to watch some of this ecw stuff yeah i like especially when it was coming out and like this is the generate like this is the thing that made generations right before me and uh yeah i'm I'm too young for it (laughs) yeah Alright. Well, Leith, hit us with some results for the first week of ECW. ECW Hardcore TV, September 5th, 1995. We have Hack Myers defeating J.T. Smith via Countout. Tommy Dreamer defeats Dudley Dudley. Two Cold Scorpio defeats Eddie Guerrero to become the new ECW World Television Champion. Johnny Grunge defeats New Jack. Um, Mustafa Saeed defeats Rocco Rock. All right. 
Any any thoughts on this first week of ECW, Green Ant? Uh, I'm I'm more interested in that, like, uh, watching it because this is the first time I've watched ECW mm-hmm. um, TV. Uh, I've I've been to shows in the ECW arena, and uh, it's just it's interesting the contrast between WCW and and WWF. We're in big arenas and. You can't really hear the crowd at times. We're here, and they're they're constantly going crazy over everything. Um, it was very uh, strange to me to watch this. <laughs> okay, yeah. Well, let's uh, let's sort of run down the the event. Lee, if you got any any other thoughts before we dive into this? Um, I say let's just dive. Let's dive. I'll go through it as we go through it. I, I think we're going to be more successful on our dive into this than J T. Smith. Has uh. into <laughs> oh, I like how that just kind of became his thing. Yeah. He's botch man. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we get uh, JT Smith out there with Big Val Puccio. Uh, to face off against Hack Myers. There's some he has some really crazy bad Italian entrance music. Yeah, because he's like a he. JT Smith is now like a honorary Italian, and he calls people paisanos, and that's the other half of his gimmick is that he's a fake Italian. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, we get uh, we get Big Val out there, but it's not just Big Val. It's JT Smith with Big Val Puccio with a big old box of cannolis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I've never been a big cannoli fan, but I do like some some cream filled donuts usually. <laughs> well, the cannoli, uh, well, donuts wouldn't be as an Italian as yeah. what they were going for. You gotta really hammer yeah. home the point that yeah. not only is Big Valbuccio big, he loves cannolis. Yeah, you. We're running with this whole hey, he's Italian. Yeah. Here's his box of cannolis. He's gonna sit down. He's gonna he's gonna have a snack while he's watching his buddy. Box you know. up the match. <laughs> and this, I don't. This is the, the rematch with Hack Myers. Uh, previously, mm-hmm. J T. Smith got got that huge, massive goose egg on the top of his head when he yeah. watched that dive to the outside in his first match with Hack Myers, which was obviously cut short. Mm-hmm. So, the crowd being the ECW crowd, which is pretty much the same people every time, have not forgiven him that horrible botch. They they are not going to let him forget it, so he has to kind of take it on and, and make it part of who his character is, or just be destroyed by the ECW audience. Yeah. He, uh... The uh, ECW fans are, are none too kind to J.T. Smith, and they're not about to let him forget that he messed up. Uh, we get, we get a, at one point, J.T. Smith actually stuffing a cannoli into Hackmeyer's mouth, because I guess that's, again, we gotta, we got to get it, get it across that he's Italian now. That's his thing. Yeah. <laughs> so... Yeah. He's a, he's a fake Italian who botches all the time. All the That's time. All the and, t- yeah. and we'll waste a cannoli. And we'll waste a perfectly good cannoli. 
Well, they had a whole box. I'm sure, you know, they just wanted, you know, Hackmeyers to try one. <laughs> right? Now, <laughs> now, does the area around the ECW arena have, like, a strong Italian population? I'm uh, just curiously. South Philly is uh, notoriously Italian. Okay. Um, so, like, sure, uh, it's it's not uncommon to find a family of Italians. Now, finding a family of Italians that are willing to give a cannoli for you, that's that's a little less yeah. uh, familiar down there. Don't don't waste cannolis is the life yeah. lesson here. Uh, we then get the ECW opening, and I noted here that uh, Shane Douglas, Dean Malenko, and uh, Chris Benoit are all still part of ECW's opening at this point, despite the fact that they've all left for uh, greener pastures, so to speak. Uh, we get some highlights of Paulie Dangerously reintroducing the Danger Zone, in, uh, which is an interview segment. Uh, Paulie Dangerously is praising Dean Malenko and Eddie Guerrero and encourages fans to boo and throw objects at Bill Alfonso. Uh, Bill Alfonso's trying to control things, and he has good news and bad news. Now, this is where I want to I want to throw up just a, a little bit of a content warning because this is ECW, and this is content that doesn't necessarily age well. Uh, throughout this segment, uh, Paulie uh, does make a gay joke, and it doesn't. Uh, again, it's not something that ages particularly well. So if that's something that would uh, upset you or, or offend you, you're not wrong in feeling that way. Uh, you, you have you are perfectly entitled to feel that way, and we certainly understand. But we we just want to throw that up there for anyone who's thinking of participating and watching along with us that this is something that could potentially uh, be upsetting for you. And and it, keeping in mind the the atmosphere of ECW, they they're trying to offend people to a certain degree, and mm-hmm. they want you to. They kind of like to rile up their their audiences as much as they they can, and some some of the things they they say and do kind of cross the line, and some at during this time period would have been acceptable. Like it just pushes it to the line for 1995. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, sensibilities were were uh, different then, and you know. ECW took a lot of great pride in being sort of underground, sort of punk to a degree, and so that meant that they were constantly trying to be very edgy. And sometimes some of this stuff is going to age well, and sometimes it doesn't. It's, but just just be aware of it is the important thing, and, and make that decision for yourself. Uh, but uh, Bill Alfonso is out with some good news and bad news, and he says that the bad news is the State Athletic Commission won't stand behind him in his efforts to uh, control things in ECW. And then that's when uh, Paulie has the uh, gay joke, uh, says the gay joke. Uh, and then Paulie is uh, kind of making some other comments, has a little bit of a filthy mouth. But uh, Bill Alfonso says the good news is that the State Athletic Commission reinstated his license for Pennsylvania and in Florida. And Bill Alfonso takes credit for ECW getting kicked off the air on the Sunshine Network, which I would guess is a local Florida affiliate. He talks about Swedish ECW fans that he met on his travels around the world. And there are chants of, Todd is God. 
uh, for Todd Gordon. And Polly dangerously promises us, the loving and caring ECW audience, that at some point Bill Alfonso is getting chokeslammed. But Alfonso buries that idea and says, nope, chokeslam's been banned, never going to happen, I'm untouchable. Uh, he says it's been banned by himself and the Pennsylvania State Athletic Commission. And Bill Alfonso says that night uh, that 911 might as well pack his bags and go down to WCW. He dares 911 to come out because I guess he's just fine with signing his own death warrant. Uh, as if the, the choke slam is the only maneuver that anyone has in their arsenal. <laughs> they could possibly do any uh, anything else to Bill Alfonso. Right, and <laughs> Bill Alfonso. Right, uh, Bill Alfonso's upset because he thinks he should be in the big time with the WWF, and then Bill Alfonso hits Paulie dangerously with his own phone. But Todd Gordon makes the save, and Alfonso promptly puts an end to that save by hitting Todd Gordon with the phone, and then the music hits and 911 is out. Alfonso tries to crack him over the head, but 911 has him by the throat, ready to, to hit Bill Alfonso with that big choke slam. But out comes Big Dick Dudley, who is eye to eye with 911. Uh, Polly uses this as an opportunity to get some revenge on Bill Alfonso and hits him with the phone. And then we cut to Bill Alfonso backstage. Now, Green Ant, as a wrestler, I want to ask. You know, as as a wrestler, is it possible for a pen, for like a state athletic commission to ban a move? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They um, uh, it was a big problem last year going into WrestleMania weekend in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Uh, their athletic commission is very hands on. Sure. Uh, and they they've banned any type of pile driver. Mm. Um, save for uh a few people that made a list that they made up that. They were, you know, the WWE guys were trained professionals, but even in-house WWE guys, like, power drivers banned for them, so it didn't really matter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of athletic commissions out there that are very uh, stringent on their rules, uh, for good reason. They're, they have the rules for safety. Sure. Um, it's just a matter of, uh, are they always properly, are they always working in your best, in the best interest for the in entertainment? Um, it's a little bit of a double-edged sword, is what you're saying. Yeah, uh, a lot of the guys, like a lot, a lot of the rules, have been made because of boxing, or they were made years ago. Mm-hmm. So they're not as up to date. On, yeah, as some people would like them to be. Sure. Sure. Yeah. No, that makes sense, and and it seems like something that it would be very hard to maybe get, like, a state athletic commission to sort of prioritize in that regard. Uh, correct, because they can... They get the same revenue off of boxing. They're, yes. they're you know... Uh, sometimes boxing is even more profitable for them, so they're looking more towards that interest than, uh, you know, professional wrestling. Yeah. Well, that's good to know. Uh, that uh, that's, that's something to... Uh, to keep in mind here as we as we go through this story with Bill Alfonso and the Pennsylvania State Athletic Commission. Uh, now, moving forward, we have uh, Bill Alfonso in a in a promo backstage, and he's talking about banning Paulie dangerously from ECW. Uh, we get some highlights: uh, Mikey Whipwreck 
And we also get uh, the Sandman beating Chad Austin. And the Sandman just going to town with that Singapore cane on Chad Austin. But Mike Whipwreck loves that cane. Loves that cane. <laughs> uh, Mikey Whipwreck comes out for the save, and he's got his own Singapore cane. And he cracks the Sandman from behind. Mikey continues the beat down with the cane on the Sandman, but the Sandman isn't backing down. And Woman directs uh, the Sandman to get back in the ring, but Mikey again with the cane. Uh, Mikey even canes the dude he's out there to save. He canes Chad Austin. So, so he's not really out there to save Chad Austin so much as he is to beat up the Sandman. Sometimes you just want to cane people, you know? It's a very important distinction to make when you're out there. Is uh. I'm not here to save you. I'm just here to uh, to hit this guy harder. Yeah. <laughs> and if so, help you if that other dude gets in your way. <laughs> yeah. Like you, you should have known better, my friend. Get out of my way. Exactly. Uh, we then get uh, some highlights of Johnny Grunge. You know the Flyboy, Rocco Rock, New Jack, Mustafa Saeed, the Public Enemy versus the Gangsters. Johnny Grunge just gets straight up stabbed in the shin by New Jack. Like, by a broken uh, bottle. Yeah, it sounds about right. New Jack is petrifying. Indeed. <laughs> yeah, we, we purposely are very careful about what we say, just in case. New Jack, we love you, you're doing fine. Uh, but you did stab Johnny Grunge in the shin with a broken bottle. <laughs> These things happen, you know. You, it's an accident. It's fine. It's, it's all good. It slipped. Yeah. I mean, the good thing is it was probably a beer bottle, so it's sterile by nature, right? Probably. Hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> that's a that's a working bottle, not a <laughs> not a shoot bottle. Let's hope. If, if only you're lucky. <laughs> yeah. New Jack doesn't use working bottles. Those are, those are shoot bottles. Uh, but uh, we, we get some highlights of just that insanity. But uh, even despite getting stabbed in the shin by New Jack, Johnny Grunge manages to get a victory over New Jack. Uh, Mustafa Saeed uh, conversely beats uh, Flyboy Rocco Rock. And New Jack is out there with the nightstick. Because I guess we're just... just Weapon Wheel, man, from Grand Theft Auto. We're just picking whatever we can. Uh, we have the Sandman getting involved against the public enemy. This is sort of a continuation of what was going on between these guys previously. Uh, Mikey uh, Whipwreck comes out with the save, and he's clearing the ring with the cane. And then we get some Raven and Stevie Richards goodness. Yeah. Yeah. We That's get. I watch ECW. Right? Uh, we get... Uh, we get Sign Guy Dudley in the audience, so we can actually start to see Sign Guy Dudley out there. And this is Raven and Stevie Richards with Beulah McGillicuddy versus the Pit Bulls for the ECW World Tag Team Championships. Uh, Stevie Richards is begging not to get in the ring, and he's <laughs> even refusing to tag in. And oh, this I is, love him. Yeah. <laughs> and this is something that the ECW fans uh, will uh, appropriately shout and criticize Stevie Richards for. I'm not going to repeat the words that they say because this is, we try to keep things as, as much all ages as possible, but uh, that is definitely a very mature chant 
not for the little ones. Uh, <laughs> we then get uh, the pit bulls sort of dominate things early because I mean Raven doesn't have anybody to tag, right? Right. Because Richards, yeah, cause <laughs> is... he's just kind of hiding and then running away from the tag and doing everything he possibly can to not be in this matchup against the pit bulls because he just does not want to doesn't want to get his butt beat by the pit bulls. But I mean, can you blame him? But he's so good at getting his butt beat. That's kind of what he's known for, right? <laughs> I mean, Green Ant, w- would you get in the ring across from the pit bulls? Uh, not if I could help it. Not <laughs> actually. <laughs> Uh, how many of them are left alive at this point? Maybe, maybe right now. <laughs> yeah. Not, not back then. No. Not 1995 pit bulls, no. no, I mean, no. Y- you want to work smarter. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to avoid death. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, uh, I can't say I blame Stevie Richards for not wanting to get in the ring, but ultimately Raven has enough of Stevie Richards' uh, attitude and decks him and throws him in the ring himself. Yeah, that was the that was my favorite spot. He just like slaps him, like, "No, you're in." Like, come on. <laughs> we, we do Best this tag together. I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we do this together. Not at all. So you're going in. He uh, he brings in Richards the hard way and just literally feeds them to the pit bulls. Uh, we get uh, we get a big double team clothesline spot, and uh, at about thirty four twenty five. Uh, 34 minutes, 25 seconds, we start getting uh, some super bomb chants. And there's a really weird suplex powerbomb neckbreaker at 35 minutes, 20 seconds. It was a really strange move. But uh, Stevie Richards gets a chair finally to try to even things up between himself and the Pitbulls. He manages to use the chair against Pitbull too, but the Pitbulls wind up super bombing Raven. Uh, this brings Beulah in to which she slaps Pitbull 2. Uh, Raven takes advantage of Beulah's inter- interference, and Dudley Dudley comes out with the save and a diving forearm, and Raven puts Stevie on top for the win. Uh, now, Big Dick Dudley also comes out, and he manages to drop Pitbull number 2 across the steel guardrail, and this is all while Stevie's getting the three count. And uh, via satellite, after this, we get probably one of the most unsettling Cactus Jack promos. Yeah, I couldn't even, like, follow it. I tried. I'm like, there's something about Uncle Willie and, and bombing Japan. And I'm like, I, I don't know what's happening right now. <laughs> yeah. uh, Green Ange, any, any thoughts on this incredibly unsettling promo? Uh, this wasn't this wasn't the Kane Dewey one, right? That one comes no, that's, in later. No, that's, that's coming. Yeah. yeah, later. No, uh, the the creepy Cactus Jack one, sorry. Uh, I try listening, I try following, but uh, they're they're rough to get through. It's uh, it it is a little. I mean, it's it's unsettling. I, I think is is just the the right word to to describe it because, uh, like Leith said, he's he's talking about his uncle Willie that he had growing up who was uh, part of, allegedly part of the group that uh, was destined to bomb Japan during World War II, uh, bombing Hiroshima. And throughout all this, Cactus Jack is talking about the, the horrific effects that that had on, on the citizens of Japan, and 
he's talking about how his uncle Willie was built up as a as a hero in his life growing up, and it wasn't until he got older that he realized that this is what that did. You know, this is what bombing Japan did. This is the effect it had on on millions of innocent people. Uh, and the point of the promo is kind of talking about. I guess, you know, again, kind of thinking someone might be a hero, but they might not really be. And he's talking about sacrifice, and he kind of closes it out with talking about how he and Raven serves a higher purpose. And then we're all just left to let our skin crawl. And that's uh, that's ECW for the first week of September of 1995. I think it's it's interesting how like uh, McFoley tends to he he brings a lot of like his promo stuff from like real world experiences like his actual mm-hmm. life so it's hard to tell like when he's telling a story if it's like some of it is true and some of it's exaggerated and like where the all the lines kind of cross. Sure. Sure. Yeah. It's uh, his his promo style is very. It's, intense? <laughs> yeah. It's intense without being shouting. Right. He doesn't need a he doesn't need a shout to get his point across. He yeah. it's very he kinda digs into this kind of like raw emotional state. Yeah. He's uh interesting. He, he'll punctuate things with shouts like throughout it, but overall it's not something that you would call like very shouty or very loud. But it is like you said, it's a lot of raw emotion and very very intense. Uh, so that brings us to ECW Hardcore TV, September 12th, 1995. Uh, we have the Steiner brothers, Rick Steiner and Scott Steiner, defeating Dean Malenko and Two Cold Scorpio. Tommy Dreamer defeating Dudley Dudley. So let's, uh, I guess we'll just kind of run through this, uh, kind of like we have been. Uh, so we open the broadcast. Joey Styles is promising the extreme debut of AAA superstars Rey Mysterio Jr. and Psychosis, and we're promoting Club ECW. Hmm. Uh, this is uh, being promoted by Lance Wright, uh, one of the other ECW uh, sort of, I guess, interviewers. He's talking about how Club ECW is for the denizens of the ECW arena. So this is, you know, it's interesting that we're seeing even, again, like back in 1995, this sort of like premium program that you can sign up for. Uh, You pay $100, and that will purchase you the same ringside seat for the next four ECW arena shows, and you'll be placed on ECW's priority mailing list. You'll also receive 20% off all extreme championship wrestling merchandise. Uh, actually, really isn't a terrible idea, and this I could see no, why this um, would have been popular for hardcore fans. I, I was going to ask. Uh, I know Chikara used to have something sort of like this back in the day. Do they still? Because I remember people who were part of the the club could get like their seats like first at like a show. They got kind of like priority seating and different things. Is that still a thing that exists? Uh, so the uh, the Jakari membership was around for a long time. Yeah, that was uh, you would you know sign up for the Jakarmi. I forget how much it was, uh, and you would get you know first pick at seats like you were letting a half hour before everyone else or something like that. 
uh, you're on an email list. Uh, so I was chuckling to myself as you're reading out what it came with. Um, recently, we tried the uh, the parcel power. Mm-hmm. So we would send out a, like a quarterly uh, loot crate style thing, and um, with that you get a card, gave you access to the closed power uh, our powers, uh, discounts for merchandise and such. So it, it's funny that like this concept was around back then as well, and it it, it really hasn't gone away from any places. Um, if we still have one in place, I I don't know that we have one in place right now. Right. Um, let's, I just remember that from, like, gosh, that would have been, like, 2010. Yeah. Yeah. I think I started going to shows around 2010, so it was still around at that point. And, it, I mean, it, back then I know it was, like, a big deal because we were – you guys were often at, like, like the – Palmer Center in Easton, which is massive, but that would be like sold out, and you'd have like fight for seats. I remember having to ask a giant banana for help at some point. It was ridiculous. Uh, I I, <laughs> I say I used mine at the ECW arena because you would wait outside for you know two three hours yeah. uh, in line if you didn't have it. But when you did have it, you could just you wait in line for an hour and then you'd get in early, get your seat right away. Uh, just the only way to get a front row seat, pretty much. Yeah, because they didn't do that was before they switched to seating. Yeah, it was. Just it was all just GA. kind of first come first serve. Go where you can go. You couldn't really like buy tickets ahead of time. Yeah, like you could buy your ticket ahead of time, but it was just GA and like say let the Chikarmi guys in first, and then after that they would do if you had your ticket you go on the left line. If you don't, you can go to the window. Right. Right. And like. You just hoped you beat the people at the window. <laughs> I got. I know. I know. If we lived closer to to the Philadelphia area, uh, closer to where like the Wrestle Factory is and everything, I know we would like if that was still around, we would totes be up for that. Uh, you know, being where we are in Ohio, it, we absolutely want to go to more Shikara events. It's just it's. A uh, little hard sometimes to to get out that way, and that's uh, that's the goal this year, uh, 2019, is to make it to a to a Chikara event. Uh, well, we will be going uh, to Pittsburgh. Yes, May 25th. So that shortens the drive a bit for you. Yeah, and uh, I think uh, that might be the the event that we're looking at going to. We also got to work on getting caught up because we are currently still watching through season 19. There's so much wrestling to watch, everybody. And it's good. It's great wrestling. I can't put over Chikara enough as, as some really great wrestling. And I think, like, what draws me and, like, like my friend group to, to Excellence Professional Wrestling is it almost has that feel of Chikara from, like, 2008 to, like, 2012, like, when we were going to shows as often as we, we used to. It has that, like, you know, like, small venue VFW feel to it right now, and it's just... Also, very good shows and everything. So, absolutely, yeah. something something for everybody. The, the talent on both in both locker rooms is tremendous. Uh, like some of it is, you get a lot of crossover too, which is cool. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot of fun to be able to go to a different place and then uh, kind of have like a melting pot of uh, people I normally wouldn't ever see. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it wasn't for excellence, I don't know that I would have ever met Johnny Moran on my own. 
Yeah, it's uh, both promotions are, are just great. And I love that uh, Chikara does classes for non-wrestling-related, uh, you know, uh, avenues like writing for wrestling, managing for professional wrestling. Those are those are all I think very valuable. And yeah, I'm still bummed they couldn't do the managing one. It was fun. Start it. You could have met um, you could have met me in Otar. <laughs> but I've hung out with Otar a few times. Yeah. Well, once, no, twice now. <laughs> and uh, I, I love that Chikara does that, and I love that Excellence has done stuff like the the ring announcing, like the mm-hmm. the fan, the fandemonium events. Those are those are always fun. Yeah, and those uh, I commentated for this the 2018 fandemonium, uh, and it's it's interesting to see all the the new talent that's out there, the talent that uh, has been trying to work their way into Excellence, and fandemonium is really their chance to put themselves on our map, um, really make a case for why they should be in our locker room. Uh, so it's it's very uh, interesting as someone that gets to, that, that knows where my spot is at Excellence, and to see what new talent might be coming in afterwards, and to have a front row seat all night to, to watching it is really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely. So... Let's go ahead and uh, we'll keep going uh, with this. Diving back into ECW. Sorry for that tangent there. No, that's, that's okay. <laughs> Got a little sidetracked because I was noticing some similarities here. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we, we go, got over the uh, the club ECW stuff. But that's then right. But then it goes into the, the Pitbulls. Um, the double dog collar match. Yes, and they, they are... They are ready for their rematch. They weren't focused before Raven and Stevie took advantage, but now they are. They're ready. They want to get in there and, and have that rematch with the dog collars, and they, they're going to split up if they lose. That's right, because if I can't be a pit bull, I'd rather die. Indeed. So no, I don't know what they would be then because their names are just Pitbull One and Pitbull Two. That, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> it's just they just die. That's yeah. what happens. Yeah, my God. Cease to exist. Uh, so, vanish completely. Right. <laughs> so we uh, then cut to the Tommy Dreamer versus Dudley Dudley with uh, Big Dick Dudley in his corner. Uh, we get some comments from Cactus Jack, and he's talking about. Ray Stevens, uh, mm-hmm. the crippler Ray Stevens, needing a heart due to years of abuse because of years of boozing, partying, and red meat, and he can't get the transplant because he doesn't have the money. He then talks about Harley Race, who's been a millionaire sever- several times over, and his body lies broken and his spirit battered. He talks about uh, Dynamite Kid and, and his struggles with poverty. Cactus Jack says that being professional wrestlers means that we give of ourselves, of our bodies, of our hearts, and of our souls. And he talks about uh, Eddie Gilbert and talks about the love in his heart for what he did, the pain that he's caused uh, Tommy Dreamer, that this was done out of love. And, again, it's another very intense, very real sort of, sort of promo. Any any thoughts on this? 
It's like, you kind of get this thing where he he's, seems to ultimately be trying to push Tommy Dreamer to taking the uh, the call from WCW and and to, to switch gears and get out of this hardcore lifestyle before it's too late. Yeah. So it's like in his mind he's trying to save Tommy Dreamer. It's interesting from from somebody who's, you know, lived that lifestyle for so long and been the hardcore guy. Mhm. And he's like trying to, like they're he's like actively trying to get Tommy Dreamer to leave ECW. <laughs> It's just a very... It's not something you see in a, a wrestling promotion pretty much ever. <laughs> like, no, you shouldn't be with us. Like, you need to go elsewhere where you'll do better and make more money. Yeah, it's uh, it's a very interesting sort of point of view for this, this story that Cactus Jack is ultimately trying to do this because of how much he loves Tommy Dreamer. Right. Very, very unique perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we then move on from that promo. We cut back to this match. Again, we have Sign Guy Dudley in the audience. There's a frying pan. Uh, of course there is. Yeah. Uh, and uh, <laughs> Tommy Dreamer at uh, 13 minutes, 35 seconds, is basically trying to put an end to the Dudley name. Mm. Yes. Thank, thank God. There's so many of them. There, there <laughs> are a lot of them. There, there are quite a lot of them. Uh, and there always seems to be more. Right. It's like a never-ending line of Dudleys. <laughs> uh, there's uh, a bowling pin spot. Uh, Tommy Dreamer going after, going after some bowling balls, so to speak. And, yeah, uh, that's at about 15 minutes, 2 seconds. And uh, Dreamer wins with the Superplex after breaking out all of these weapons except for pretty much the the kitchen sink. It is rare to see Tommy Dreamer win a match overall. (laughs) And against (laughs) the Dudley. And a a lot of Dudleys, because it's never just one. Right. You're never never just facing the, the Dudley that you're you know, in a match against. It's always, like, at least three other brothers. <laughs> but yeah, Tommy actually got a win. Who knew? Who'd have thought? <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> so, after that, uh, there is a little bit of a sign guy, Dudley, Tommy Dreamer confrontation. Tommy Dreamer rips up Dud- uh, sign guy Dudley's sign and brings him over the rail and rolls him into the ring, hits him with the chair, and then a DDT on the steel chair. And we we end on that note with that, but then we cut to Taz, who's yeah. talking about how he's just a blue-collar guy doing his job, and he challenges Too Cold Scorpio. That's my very bad Taz impression. Yeah, it was pretty terrible. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> Uh, but uh, Taz has his own Varsity jacket. It's black and orange, and it's got like the big T on the on the left. So that was pretty cool. And uh, Too Cold Scorpio is now officially a three-time ECW World Television Championship after after his victory with Eddie Guerrero. 
Styles, uh, Joey Styles makes a joke about fans flipping off to Cold Scorpio and says uh, the joke is older than Bobby Heenan. But uh, <laughs> Too Cold Scorpio proclaims that ECW is his house. And Chris Benoit is out as Too Cold Scorpio's partner. Uh, now, I did find it interesting that uh, Chris Benoit was pretty much in his kid Pegasus gear. And it's just interesting that at this point, uh, two of the three members of the Triple Threat are gone with one in each of the of the big two. You have Dean Malenko in WCW, and Shane Douglas in WWF. Right. So I I thought that was really interesting. Uh, We then have uh, Scott and Rick Steiner out, and I haven't noted here that Scott Steiner looks jacked. Like, even this early in his career. Did anyone else pick up on that? What else is new? Yeah. (laughs) Scott Steiner always looked jacked. That was the problem. Like, I, I saw him in person once. I just kind of watched him from a distance because I was like, not I don't know. He kind of is in, he's very intimidating, <laughs> so I didn't really want to like talk to him. But I was just like, got got to see him in person. Was, he's still just ridiculous. Yeah, he's he's gigantic. Uh, Scott uh, hits a really beautiful like tilt a whirl slam in the match. Uh, but two cold Scorpio wants in, and he wants Rick Steiner. There's a two cold Scorpio Taz confrontation, and then there's a miscommunication between Chris Benoit and Scorpio, because Scorpio wanted to make the pinfall. Mm, of course. He wants to wants to get the the victory. Glory hounds. Yeah. He's uh, he's all about. He doesn't want to do the work. He wants he wants to let Chris do a lot of the work, but he wants to get yeah. that win. Like, you go up top, take him out, and I'll pin him, kind right. of thing. It's all good. Uh, now, uh, Benoit hits a Frankensteiner of his own, and at 29 minutes, 12 seconds, uh, Chris Benoit holds Rick for Scorpio to hit a super kick. Rick moves, and Scorpio hits Benoit, because Scorpio waited too long to try to hit the move. Now, Green Ant, you're, you're, are a, you're a tag team wrestler. You know, you work mm-hmm. with Johnny Moran. You work with Thief Ant and and Fire Ant to some degree. Have you ever have you ever run into any sort of miscommunication problems like this in the ring? Uh, certainly. There's there's plenty of times that uh, wrestling doesn't go as you as you planned. Uh, sure. The, someone moves. <laughs> the best laid plans of uh, mice and ants. Yeah. Uh, there, there's plenty of times that this happens. The the trick is to knowing that. Uh, Trusting that your partner didn't mean to do it. Uh, trusting that uh, your partner will understand that if you were the one that did it to him, uh, it's okay. Like uh, the quicker you can put it behind you, the quicker you can get back to focusing on the match, the better it is for the te- for the team. Uh, it's just a matter of making sure that your partner is on the uh, same page with that. <laughs> it's all about communication. Yeah, like uh, getting stuck apologizing in the middle of the match uh, just leads you open to an attack. Uh, you just have to do it and live with it until you get to the back and then you can apologize and uh, work it out from there. Yeah. Well, Benoit and Scorpio did not uh, did not communicate well, clearly. And uh, there were some words said between these two. And Benoit ultimately nails a dragon suplex on Too Cold Scorpio. 
Uh, Taz nails Too Cold Scorpio with the ECW Television Championship. And Rick Steiner hits a beautiful release German suplex. Uh, but Chris Benoit is just refusing to go down, just refusing to be pinned. And there's an electric chair DDT to Chris Benoit. And that's uh, that's what allows the, the pin to happen uh, with Benoit and Too Cold Scorpio losing to the Steiners. Uh, now from there we get to a public enemy promo. And uh, we're also putting over Rey Mysterio and Psychosis. And then we get a Gangsta's promo. And the Sandman challenging Mikey Whipwreck. So we got any any thoughts on this match or any thoughts on these uh, closing promos? Uh, from what I remember from the, the Steiners match, um, I, I really, like, the Steiners are insane. Uh, Benoit and Scorpio Sky are insane. <laughs> like, uh, putting them together was a, a very good choice. Uh, whoever decided to do that, whether it be Paul or, you know, whoever booking this at the time. That was, was an insane match to watch. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I like that um, ECW has, like, like, they always are more known or, or talked about for all the hardcore stuff, but then they'll pull out these, like, insane technical matches like that, and it's just like, like, oh, this is why this show is so good. <laughs> right. Yeah, like, it, it's very easy to forget that the Steiners were in ECW. Right. Uh, when, like, the focus is always on like, Sabu and, and Sandman. Yeah, but, and then uh, you even go back to, like, you know, previously when we had, like, Malenko and Guerrero, and it's just, like, you have all these really, really strong technical wrestlers in amongst all these, like, crazy hardcore dudes. It's just a cool, like, mashup almost. Yeah, like, it's very surprising to go back and watch it uh, for the first time through and be like, oh, this guy was in, this guy was in ECW? <laughs> Like, oh, I see why people are like, this was the second coming of wrestling. Right, right. Even if, like, these guys aren't uh, new to the world of wrestling, they're very, uh, they're treated very differently here. Yeah, I uh, I really dig this match, and I think it just serves to highlight, like, granted, ECW had a lot of money problems, and the Steiners were pretty much about money at this point in their careers, which is, I mean, that's fine, that's, you know, Nobody wants you to go into poverty to uh, to be a wrestler. Although uh, that's oftentimes the case, even if you are being paid uh, for your for your services, it's it's still a very hefty financial investment, right? But uh, the Steiners at this point in their career are very much about uh, about getting the best deal for them, and that's again, there's nothing wrong with that. But uh, I think this serves to highlight that the Steiners could have had a really good career in ECW. They, uh, you know, they're, they're hitting all these, they, they can hang with the hardcore stuff, but they're also very technically sound. Mm-hmm. So I think, uh, I, I think this is a really good example of that. So let's go ahead and move on to... The next week, Leith, hit us with some results for September 19th, 1995. So you got the Pitbulls, that's Pitbull 1 and Pitbull 2, in case you forgot their names. Right. Um, defeating Raven and Stevie Richards in a double dog collar match to become the new ECW World Tag Team Champions. Wow. 
So, any thoughts on this match real quick before we dive into everything? Uh, if I remember correctly, is this the one that has 911 come out? And, like, there's a whole bunch of uh, chicanery that goes on towards the end of it. <laughs> That's yes. like every ECW match. But, but <laughs> yeah, right. More, more, more chicanery than WCW. <laughs> this was the one that, like... Uh, they're getting dumped to the floor. Or, uh, no, it starts off with, like, one of the pit bulls isn't there or something like that. No, it's, uh, Stevie isn't there. Yeah, and, like... Because, yeah, they, they... Beulah comes out and says that Stevie broke his arm, he's not gonna be there, it's gotta be two-on-one, we need, like, a best... Was it the best... A, a two-out-of-three-falls. Two yeah. And then here comes Stevie Richards for some reason somewhere. Yeah, uh, he gets dragged out by one of the pit bulls because they go in the back and find him. Because earlier in the day, Stevie Richards was trying to pay people off in the back to take his place in this match. He does not want to be in this matchup, like, at all. Go figure. <laughs> yeah, it was... Um, yeah, and then, like, if I remember correctly, like, at some point, Bill Alfonso comes out, and then 911 comes out, and Bill Alfonso eats a choke slam. And there's, there's a lot to this match. Yes. There, there yeah, is. it's pretty much all the the storylines throughout all of ECW kind of culminate in this one matchup. Yeah, <laughs> this this only match on this on this episode of ECW Hardcore TV. Well, let's let's go ahead and dive into it. So the episode opens. We get a Cactus Jack promo. Now this is what Green Ant alluded to a little earlier in the show. This is the infamous Kane Dewey promo. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cactus Jack is upset that, and I think right, rightfully so, I think anybody would be upset by that, uh, to see a sign that encouraged the caning of a three-year-old child. Two or three-year-old. I think he was three at the time. Yeah. Uh, and he's talking about how the fans broke his heart having a sign like this. And again, that's... This is not unreasonable to say. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's talking about... Uh, he's name-dropping WCW. He's talking about how he gave up so many so many things. A house and, and a well-paying job to come work for ECW. And he refers to Eric Bischoff as Uncle Eric. Almost sort of pleading like, please take me back. Uh, what did we think of the Kane Dewey promo? Uh, it, it's very iconic for you know, a reason of like it really pulls at the difference between what can be real and what can be uh, scripted. Like, that being able to draw that line between uh, how you're actually feeling and, and what the character should be feeling, mm-hmm. and it kind of it blurs it. it blurs it really well. Um, it goes on for a bit. Like it's a longer promo, but uh, it's still very much. There's a reason why there are people that still talk about it today, and it has such a, a name to be able to recognize it right away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I would I would think uh, kind of furthering that point. I think it also touches on not just not just what's real, not just what's wrestling. I think it also kind of touches on what's acceptable behavior if you're a fan in the wrestling audience. Right. Don't do that. Don't yeah, that being uh, being able to draw the line between like what a 
wrestler's personal life is and uh, what his character is uh, yeah. really um, is important to know. Um, it's important to for people to realize that uh, this is all a performance and you want to treat actors this way based on a role that they had in a movie. Yeah, like, my God, there was, uh, there was the incident a couple months ago where Roman Reigns comes out and he announces what's going on in his real life. The battle with uh, leukemia, or cancer, I'm not sure. I tend to get those things confused because I'm awful. Uh, but he, he's talking about that and how he's going to have to step away from the ring to do that. And the arena is pretty much silent. At which point, somebody in the audience shouts, You still suck. Don't be that person. If you do that, or if you take a sign like Kane Dewey, you know, encouraging violence against a three-year-old child to an event, you probably shouldn't be allowed around other people, much less allowed outside. Like, don't, don't do that, people. Be cool. Take zero effort to, to be better than that guy. Uh, but Green Ant, you're right. This is a this is a very iconic promo, and it's a it's a good promo. Cactus Jack manages to to get across a lot of points, and and it's very heartfelt and emotional. Uh, it's a it's a really good way to open ECW, and then we get uh, we find out that Big Dick Dudley has been in a truck accident, and yeah, we got run over by a truck, but he's okay. Yeah, you should see the <laughs> truck. <laughs> He just needed a little knee surgery. It's fine. He's fine. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, he just got hit by a truck. He'll uh, be out for a little bit, but it's okay. <laughs> it's fine. Don't worry, He's fine. Don't worry about him. There's 16 other Douglas you got to worry about now. Yeah. Uh, and Tommy Dreamer has a short promo where he's talking about you know what is hardcore to him. And again, that's actually a really good promo in of itself. Uh, right. I, I think a lot of people sort of sleep on Tommy Dreamer's promo work, and this is a really good promo. Uh, and then, Leith, you know, we had uh, all those jump cuts with uh, Gary Spivey on the WCW side of things, but don't worry, Extreme Championship Wrestling, our boys in Philadelphia, have something just as good for us. Puzzle wipes! <laughs> Puzzle wipes for uh, days. So good. Yeah. Uh, so we get a puzzle wipe, and then we get uh, some highlights of Raven and Cactus Jack. And we see this sort of, like, Raven signal. And then we we learn a little bit more about the Dudleys, because it's not mm-hmm. just a name, it's a way of life. And in case you're wondering if there was more Dudleys, there are, and some of them are just very weird and insensitive to the times that would totally not be appropriate nowadays. Yeah, uh, at this point, I am going to throw up, again, just another content warning. We're going to talk about this promo, but it is absolutely maybe not the most appropriate, so just just like a heads up, everybody. Uh, So, through this promo, we're learning a little bit more about the Dudleys. Even though the Dudleys' whole shtick is... There's a bunch of us. We're learning why there's a bunch of a, a bunch of them, because we're learning a little bit about Big Daddy Dudley, uh, mm-hmm. because apparently he stopped in Cheyenne, Oklahoma, and quote unquote poked a hauntus, and yeah. that 
That gave us dances with Dudley. Yeah, to it, Brandon. Like, why does he speak Spanish? Like, he's like kind of like 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 I don't. I don't. Know. I don't th- is no. that Spanish? That didn't sound Spanish. He was definitely speaking Spanish. I'm <laughs> <laughs> like, why is dances with Dudley this Native American dude from like Oklahoma? Talking, yeah, he's speaking Spanish, right? Like, what is happening? I guess I'm just ignorant because I, I thought it was actually maybe like <laughs> Aborigine. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, like something, something Native American. No, I'm like maybe like it might have been more believable if he was from like like where I used to live in Arizona. There was a lot of like. Is it like Mesoamericans? So there's a lot of people who were from like of Mexican descent and also of Native American descent and they did speak Spanish, so that mm. made that would have made sense, but I don't know. I don't know where this yeah. guy came from. Whatever. <laughs> uh, it's just all very strange. But Dances with Dudley seems genuinely happy to be there. And I'm happy yeah. for him. <laughs> uh he seems to be having a real good time. So I'm, I'm happy for him. Uh, we we also get to see that not only has Big Dick Dudley been in a truck accident, but uh, he's got a crutch, and his crutch is even tie-dyed. Well, of course it is. I just I thought that was interesting. <laughs> Why would it not be? Yeah, I thought that was... Well, I mean, you got to coordinate. Exactly. Yeah. So, from there, we uh, move on to the aforementioned double dog collar match. Now, Raven comes out by himself with Beulah. I suppose he's not really by himself because he's with Beulah. But uh, Raven and Beulah come out. And Stevie's not anywhere to be found. Pitbulls come out, and that's when Beulah gets on the mic, like uh, Green Ant and Lee, if you you both alluded to earlier. Uh, Beulah says that Stevie's got a broken arm. Joey Styles promptly promptly calls BS on that and says that he saw Stevie walking around backstage. Uh, Beulah asks that since Stevie can't be here, they only do the right thing and make this a two out of three falls double dog collar match. But, uh, I mean, it's still going to be better than the Hogan-Vader strap match because at least the legal men in this match are going to participate in the final decision. <laughs> so there, there is that. Uh, yeah, but pie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, did you just reference Ranma? What? What? No, she said the apple pie. <laughs> the great Hulk Hogan match. Okay. <laughs> That's also the phrase in the uh, Ranma one half like opening theme. Oh no, it's uh, the greatest Hulk Hogan promo for a strap match ever. The, the apple <laughs> pie Indian apple strap match. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, if you. Yeah. Gotta look it up. It's hilarious. I'm gonna have to now. <laughs> Out there chanting to him, Yeah, Pop Pie! Yeah, Pop Pie! <laughs> oh, God. So good. Uh, if, if nothing else, Hogan's good for a few laughs. He's got some, <laughs> some good, terrible promo work. They drank Agent Orange. <laughs> but nobody drank Agent Orange to prepare for this match, although I'm betting Stevie Richards wished he had. <laughs> So, the Pitbulls agree to challenge for the championship in a two out of three falls double dog collar match. 
and Raven is out there defending the championship by himself. Now, one of the pit bulls leaves, and that would be uh, pit bull number one. That's right. Pit bull one. Pit bull one. Pitbull 1 leaves, and he comes back with Stevie Richards, who's already bloodied. (laughs) I guess just, like, at the thought of this match. (laughs) I'd be curious to see, like, the... The backstage footage of it? Yeah, like, that would have been cool. How did he get bloodied? Like, how did they get the collar around him? Where did they find him? <laughs> we, we need that ECW fan cam footage. This is when we need it. Yes, it would have been so good. <laughs> it would have been. So, Pitbull 1 brings Stevie Richards out, who's already bloodied. But while he's doing that, Raven manages to get the first fall of the match. Uh, he wins the first fall by hitting Pitbull 2 with a pile driver through a table. Uh, Stevie Richards at this point is is not just bleeding, he is straight up wearing the crimson mask. He looks like Wolfpack Sting. He's, uh, he's having a rough time. There's another table that finds its way into the ring, and we get a super bomb to, to the bloodied Stevie Richards through a table. So, Stevie Richards absolutely looks like a murder victim here. And that would be the second pinfall that then goes to the Pit Bulls. So we're tied up, one to one. And then the Dudleys come out. Dudley, Dudley, and dances with Dudley. This is uh, after the Pit Bull 2 knocked out the ref, right? Yes, I believe the ref is knocked out. That's correct. Very good, Liz. Now... The Dudleys managed to hit a super bomb on both pit bulls from opposite corners. And that's a that's a pretty neat spot. But the pit bulls are completely unfazed by these by these super bombs. And the pit bulls then hit double DDTs on Raven, Stevie Richards, and the Dudleys. Like I gotta keep in mind that I mean this is life or death for the pit bulls because if they yeah. They can't break up, or they will die. Like, <laughs> there's there's nowhere else for them to go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, after this massive just DDTs all around, DDTs for days. Uh, there's a super bomb to Dudley Dudley, and a super bomb to Dances with Dudley, and uh, during that, Joey Styles references Tatanka. And then we get a third table in the ring. And this third table doesn't break. Uh, it's actually a really, really awful spot to, uh, to, to look at. Because what happens is they're, going, they're trying to superbomb Raven through a table. But the table's just not really in the right spot. And because of that, Raven hits like the back of his neck right on the edge of the table. Yeah, it's terrible. Green Ant, what did you think of that? Uh, it's not something I'd like to have happen to me. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was pretty rough watching. <laughs> I can uh, avoid things like that uh, in my lifetime. I, I will certainly try to avoid them. Like, that that looks like the kind of spot that, that could just absolutely kill somebody or end somebody's in-ring career. Yeah, and uh, those are the ones that you try to stay away from. <laughs> yeah, you, you want to try to steer clear of those, those instances. 
Uh, now, one thing I did think was really interesting is uh, a little bit after this, you can see that Sign Guy Dudley is still in the audience, and he has a Dudley 316 sign. Mm-hmm. Now, for those who are unaware of the time period that we're talking about, again, this is September 1995. This is probably about uh, maybe nine months away from the infamous Austin 316 promo. So I thought that was, again, just kind of like an interesting sort of like foreshadowing kind of moment. Right. Uh, at this point, Raven gets a rag in his hand. And Styles is commenting about how much it stinks and asks, and he's wondering aloud if it's ether. And he tells Raven to take that back to Smoky Mountain Wrestling. And we get Pitbull 2 up on two tables. And Raven puts him through those two tables eventually. Yeah, that's how I phrased it, too. <laughs> it's like he gets people to, through the t- through both uh, eventually. It yeah. happens. <laughs> uh, we then, at, at this point, Raven unhooks himself from Pitbull, too. I guess he's going to hook up to Ric Flair and try to win this. Uh, Beulah McGillicuddy comes out. And uh, the paramedics are out for Pitbull 2. And Francine is out. And she just starts mauling Beulah McGillicuddy. Uh, Raven breaks up this uh, argument between Beulah and Francine with a DDT to Francine. And Pitbull 2 is stretchered out. Now Raven and Stevie Richards think they have this match in hand, but not so fast. Raven and Stevie Richards. Tommy Dreamer comes out to even things up. And he's chained himself to Raven. And Dreamer gets his first pinfall over Raven, finally. Right? No. Bill Alfonso. Well, yeah, because it's like, it, you know, this is probably the one time, one and only time I kind of, like, I have to agree with Bill Alfonso. Right? I mean, how does Dreamer, he wasn't in the match. How, how does he get the pin? This is This is one, two, three kids level of stupid. Yeah, it just, it really didn't make any sense whatsoever. (laughs) (laughs) Not at all. So, Dreamer gets a pinfall. It is counted over Raven, but as soon as that pinfall is counted, out comes Pennsylvania State Athletic Commissioned referee Bill Alfonso to put a stop to that. Dreamer, you're dreaming again. You ain't pinned Raven. That's not going down in the record books. And he's shouting, and he's saying that he's not going to allow the decision to stand. And Todd Gordon comes out and says the match is over when he says it's over. But Alfonso hits Todd Gordon with a cheap shot. And Big Dick comes out with a one-handed choke slam. The man is on crutches. And he manages to hit a one-handed choke slam to Dreamer. And Alfonso unbans the choke slam and allows the match to be restarted. Now, before we go any further, this decision to unban the choke slam, do we think this is going to work out for Bill Alfonso? Uh, you see, no. It, it always works out because he's the commissioner. Right. Well, he's the athletic commission, so yeah, he's good. Yeah. He's got this. He's got this. It's going to be fine. I mean, he said it's only for one night. One night. How? How? But what could possibly go wrong in one night? Q911's music. <laughs> At which point, 911 comes out and gives us everything that we've been waiting for for like six months which is 
a choke slam to Bill Alfonso. Pretty pretty satisfying choke slam, no? I'd say so. Yeah. Although again, it would have been more satisfying if it had come after like Bill Alfonso didn't have a good point in the fact that Tommy Dreamer could not have won this match because it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I don't know. We saw Owen Hart lose a match he wasn't even in, so why couldn't Tommy Dreamer win the match? These these companies, I tell you. <laughs> Get better about your rules, guys. <laughs> if somebody's not in the match, they can't win the match. It's just that's just ludicrous. <laughs> they do fairly often though, because I think even Hogan won against Yokozuna in a match he wasn't in with Yokozuna. So it's happened all throughout wrestling history. <laughs> yeah, I mean Ric Flair lost that strap match. He wasn't uh, even in that strap match. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, carry on. <laughs> Let's carry on. At 42 minutes, 33 seconds into the broadcast, we get one of the coolest spots of the month, and that is Raven and Stevie Richards being super-duper bombed by the Pitbulls. And the Pitbulls win, because Pitbull 2 is back, and they get the pinfall following that super-duper bomb. Hooray, I guess. I mean, I mean that, that, that means they get to live, right? Yeah. I mean, So that's, that's always good. If the rules are going to be looser anywhere else, at least it makes sense for it to be looser at ECW, right? Sure. There you go. <laughs> any, any thoughts on that super-duper bomb, Green Ant? Uh, whenever uh, a move is called super-duper... Sure. Uh, Unless it's a super duper roll up, <laughs> I don't. I, I try to stay away, uh, at least from taking it. I'll give it no problem. Uh, there, like that one was insane, and um, yeah, I. It's a rough way to end the match. Yeah. <laughs> they're probably happy they're off for a week. <laughs> so I think with that, I think we can move into our last week of ECW. So, did I do the results last time? Nope. I did not. Leith did the results. I sure did. You sure did. So, the last week of ECW Hardcore TV, September 26, 1995. Hack Myers defeats J.T. Smith via countout or disqualification, depending on how you want to interpret that. We'll get to that. Uh, Jason, the sexiest man alive, is back. With a new tag team, the Eliminators, uh, Cronus and Saturn, defeating Taz and the Steiner brothers, Rick Steiner and Scott Steiner. And Rey Mysterio Jr. defeats Psychosis. So let's go ahead and talk about this. I just watched this this morning. (laughs) So you should have it all memorized. I should. I got up at like 4 in the morning to finish my watching. So... I'm very tired. But ECW Hardcore TV, September 26, 1995. Any thoughts before we dive into it? Uh, the Rey Mysterio Psychosis match has been plucked from this card as the standout match in my mind. Okay, so that's your match of the month, huh? Uh, yeah, this is one that um, was kind of like a showcase that uh, was sent to me as a standalone match and then 
when I saw it pop up in this, I was very excited. <laughs> well, very cool. Uh, let's let's go ahead and dive into it, Leith. Any any other thoughts before we dive too deep into this? No, I actually had that marked as my match of the month as well. Really? Okay. Yep. Wow. Well, I think uh, I think we'll have some interesting things to talk about after this then. So we open the broadcast with some highlights of the double dog collar best two out of three falls match between the Pitbulls and Raven and Stevie Richards. Uh, and of course we get the Pitbulls after their after their victory with Francine saying, Give me the life of the of a pit bull or give me death. And Raven and Stevie Richards, not only did we take your championships, but we took your girl. Well, it's Richard's girl, anyway. At least Richard's I girl. I don't think Raven really cared. <laughs> yeah, Raven did. As we'll he... see. Uh, we then also get uh, Joey Styles promoting Rey Mysterio Jr. and Psychosis. Uh, Lance Wright is promoting a rematch with Raven and Stevie Richards versus the Pitbulls for an October 7th show. With is this two... our first time seeing Lance Wright? No, we saw. I did not recall him. We we also saw him earlier in the month promoting that ECW club. Oh, okay, that was him. Okay, yeah. uh, I just didn't have that listed. So that he's yeah. fairly new to the company at this yeah, point, though. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, he he is fairly new to the company, at least as far as from what we've seen. Uh, now uh, he's promoting this rematch between Raven and Stevie Richards versus the Pitbulls for an October seventh show, and the uh, the big thing is that this match is going to have two referees. Bill Alfonso and Todd Gordon. They're so this both. will totally end well. Easy peasy, just right down the right down the center, no no shenanigans. None at all. <laughs> None at all. I mean, obviously these two are not gonna be butting heads on any of the decisions. Mm. <laughs> They're on the same page. Oh, of course. Now now Green Ant uh, being in Shakara, do you have any referees that don't get along? Uh, not so much anymore. Not so much anymore. Um, well, that's good. Yeah, when Derek Sabato was around. Yeah, I remember was, those days. He was a big pain in the butt. Um, <laughs> but uh, nowadays, everyone's we're kind of all on this, working on the same page. Well, that's good. That's what you want from your officials. At least that's what it seems like. I, yeah. I have to say, maybe Betsy Ross is on the side of the produce wheel every now and then. Oh. Um, she uh. She lets them. She lets them be a little lenient with the rules, but who knows? Who knows? They're they're science experiments. They may not be real familiar with rules. Uh, that's that's why Betsy Ross. Should I, be I the would law. say they are superior beings, not science experiments. Uh, you know, tomato, tomato. Don't Just tell me. frantic. I said that. Oh, I will. Leah. What? Why? Rude. He's my boss. He will get arrested for Twitter crimes again. <laughs> if you're not careful. Well, he'll just DM you all the, the horrible <laughs> things he wants to say. <laughs> <laughs> let, let me... Let me Blaze getting smarter. Yeah, let me, let me redact my previous <laughs> And allow me to say that Frantic and, and Calix and... The rest of the Proteus Wheel are fine, upstanding, superior beings. 
Thumbs up. <laughs> there we go. It's all fixed. Uh, so we then get a uh, Raven and Stevie Richards promo. Uh, Raven is doing his usual brooding poetry, and Stevie Richards is crying. Stevie Richards looks incredibly pathetic here. But uh, Raven says that uh, this rematch isn't just going to have two referees. It's also going to be a lumberjack match. Leith, who are our two lumberjacks in this match? Got uh, Big Dick Dudley and 911. That's Is it. it. That's, you only need two when they're those guys. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's really like 40 dudes on each side. Pretty much. Yeah. Uh, now, from there we go to, uh, we're, we're cutting to the J.T. Smith, Hack Myers match, and we're we're talking about how J.T. Smith is under the tutelage of Big Val Puccio. Uh, Joey Styles is talking about how J.T. really thinks he's an honorary Italian, but he's had some bad luck recently, and I think that's putting it mildly, considering uh, J.T. Smith seems to be in the business of giving himself concussions. And business is pretty good for J.T. Smith. <laughs> Uh, now, we, we go to this match, J.T. Smith versus Hack Myers. Uh, Big Val Puccio is nowhere to be seen, though. Uh, I did notice, though, that Sign Guy Dudley has a sign in the audience that now reads, Bischoff Dudley. Mm. Uh, we have J.T. Smith missing another tope. Uh, just absolutely trying to kill himself in this match. Yeah, he starts the whole match off by slipping on the on the rope. Mm-hmm. And he goes up to the top rope. Now, J.T. Smith is not going to have a good time on the top rope. He rarely ever does. He rarely ever does, because he puts himself through a table. Yes, because somehow he goes to the top and then falls off onto the other side into a table that just you know, happens to be there. Well, that's for the timekeeper reasons. Table. Yeah, it's just perfectly placed for him to fall onto. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's he. They ring the bell, and he's announced as having been disqualified. So he disqualified himself by putting himself through a table. Although Joey Styles then immediately switches it to, well, it's a countout victory. So I, I just thought that was really interesting. Rarely do you see somebody who can who can DQ themselves. Now, now, yes. Green Ant, have I you? I feel like that's something Danger Jameson would do. <laughs> <laughs> I was oh, no. just thinking. <laughs> oh, I love him though. He's so nice. He's <laughs> <laughs> not very bright some days. <laughs> he, he's probably better with his stunts. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, about the same. My my daughter refers to him as the guy who falls down a lot. So, just to give you an idea, like that's his name from her. <laughs> Doesn't he wear a helmet though? Just, Sometimes. Okay. Usually just to the ring. He does take it off. Oh, okay. Okay. So it's not very protective for the amount of times he d- does seem to fall. <laughs> Danger, Jameson. If you're listening to this, I'm trying, man. Trying to make you out better to... He won a match. Well, okay. There you go. One. 
Yeah, that puts him that puts him one notch above JT Smith. So he's won one more match than I have. Yeah. <laughs> All right. He's in, that, he's in that JT Smith like like he's just past the JT Smith category. Now now we got to get past that uh, Barry Horowitz step on the ladder. <laughs> Danger Jameson, we love you. Keep it up. Keep keep doing you. <laughs> Uh, we then cut to Two Cold Scorpio, and he's going to be introducing a team that he claims is too extreme for ECW, the Eliminators, Saturn and Cronus. Uh, at which point, uh, Joey Styles says that Saturn and Cronus have an international reputation for intimidation. And the Eliminators are offering to take out Taz for Scorpio, and that Scorpio can pay that bounty over to their manager, returning to ECW, Jason. Who's uh, who's the sexiest man alive. And Joey Styles is just so thrilled to see him back. It's been so long. It has. It's been a minute. I uh, mean, Mikey Whipwreck's not even on his radar anymore. Not at all. <laughs> Leith, what are your thoughts on Jason? Uh, he exists. And he's kind of grody. <laughs> he, he, okay, so he's not at all attractive. He is grody. Yeah, I would say so. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Green Ant, you got any, any thoughts of Jason? This is this is kind of your first exposure to Jason. Yeah, um... Yeah, not there's not many thoughts. I have him written down as a weird guy. Or no, he was Jason teamed up with weird guys. Um, yeah, <laughs> that was that was the notes I took on him. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Was... Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, it looked like it was going to be four on three for a minute, but uh, it wound up like like we discussed in the results. It wound up being uh, just Jason and the Eliminators versus Stat. Uh, versus Taz and the Steiners. And Abbott noted here that uh, there's a wedgie plex to Jason. That just looked uncomfortable. That's uh, that's at about 25 minutes, 51 seconds into the broadcast. Uh, Jason gets busted open. And it looks like Jason and the Eliminators are not having a great time against the Steiners. But don't worry... Too Cold Scorpio comes in and nails a nasty-looking kick to the back of Taz's injured neck, which allows Jason to get the pinfall. Now, again, just a, another content warning. Immediately following this, we do have a promo with Taz and Rick and Scott Steiner. And uh. Scott's, uh, Scott's words are not exactly what we would call enlightened. So... Just said he is like rambling. He's he's rambling a little incoherently, and he sounds like some gross old dude who watches too much Fox News. Uh, he calls out feminine. Scott Steiner calls out what he considers feminine wrestlers, mm. uh, including Jason, WCW's Johnny B. Bad, who wears makeup. The audacity. Uh, Gold Dust, who hasn't even debuted at this point, and Shawn Michaels, and says they should all get together and have a feminine match. I don't know what that means. 
<laughs> uh, kick ass, I would assume. Yeah. <laughs> that could that could only be what Scott Steiner meant. And they should wrestle for the Intergender Continent Championship. <sighs> God. S- Scott Steiner shouldn't be allowed to talk. It's like I honestly don't even know what any of this has to do with anything. <laughs> it, it doesn't. It's like he's trying to say intergender, but his brain got that and intercontinental championship confused. And so the two words just kind of collided in his brain into one word. I thought he was just trying to be clever, but he's Scott Steiner, so, you know. (laughs) Those those words usually have the word not between them. (laughs) Uh, And he says that they should wrestle women. Which, look, y'all, equal fights, equal rights. Women are just as capable in the ring as as men are. So it's not as long so, as they're all trained wrestlers. Like yeah. I wouldn't say I'm more capable in the ring. Well, yes, <laughs> bearing in mind that they are that they are trained professional wrestlers. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, so it's not something again that ages particularly well. And honestly, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense because it has nothing to do with anything that is going on around him or what they are supposed to be talking about. Like at all. I kind of like that. Just like Taz just sort of like, is like, uh uh-huh. And then he just goes off on what actually is the issue. (laughs) Because like, he can be mad all he wants, but like, Shawn Michaels is really over with the ladies. (laughs) I mean, not that that determines Shawn Michaels' worth as being more than Johnny B. Bad or Goldust or anything, but like, it's just, it's a really weird like argument to try to make with him. So, again, just a heads up about that because it's it's not something that ages well. But just keep in mind it's also Scott Steiner, so yeah, you know, <laughs> where we don't expect his promos to be the most logical. <laughs> you got a thirty-three or, or... and a third chance <laughs> of it being logical. Uh, so. From there, we get some highlights of Mikey Whipwreck and the Sandman from August 5th, and we get a Sandman promo. Now, did anyone else think the Sandman sounded especially whiny here? I got so distracted by a woman and, like, her just repeating the, the you could never become the man that I can make you. Oh, yeah, that was... That took me, like, I totally forgot anything Sandman was saying. <laughs> that felt real inappropriate. It, it was it was pretty intense. I, I don't know. I was in, intrigued. I mean, I, w- I was intrigued, but it's like I'm watching this and I'm just like, somebody should contact Mikey's mother. <laughs> he needs an adult. So we had that, and then uh, yeah, woman just the whole time is just saying, "You will never become the man that I could make you." And then we cut to Lance Wright, who's trying his darndest to talk about Mikey, but uh, Beulah shows up, and, well, it's, uh, it's real easy to get, to get distracted with Beulah McGillicuddy around. And that camera work, boy. <laughs> I'm getting, like, so dizzy, <laughs> like, trying, like, I had to look away from the TV while that was, like, happening, because I don't know what the, the cameraman was going for there, but it was not easy to watch. Yeah. 
<laughs> you just described the whole ECW experience. <laughs> we'll just do a lot of, like, close-ups and zoom-outs and tilt the camera. It'll be fine. Like, super shaky cam. Yeah. And like, uh, that was just awful. I mean, they were probably doing the best with what they had. Which is not much, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it, it really <laughs> wasn't. So, real quick before we move on, do we have any, any other thoughts on, on the Steiner Brothers promo or the Mikey Whipwreck woman bit or Lance Wright? No? No. No. I think I said my piece. Okay. Uh, now, from there, we are cutting to the Psychosis Rey Mysterio match. And Joey Styles opens this match up by saying that contrary to what Bobby the Brain Heenan would have you believe, Lucha Libre is not something that you can get from Taco Bell. Which, honestly, as somebody who hasn't eaten at all since they woke up at four in the morning, kind of makes me want Taco Bell really badly. Mm-hmm. Uh, Green Ant, what's your, what's your go-to if you go to Taco Bell? Uh, I only get soft tacos, not uh, just lettuce and cheese in it. I'm, I'm very, yeah, I'm, I'm very plain on okay. my tacos. Do you, do you still get like ground beef or chicken in them? Uh, ground beef. Ground uh, beef. So, okay. Yeah, beef, lettuce, and cheese. Okay. Soft tortillas. If I may, if I may suggest something, mm-hmm. if you really wanna like step up your taco game when you go to Taco Bell, two things. One, get those get those bad boys with tomato added. Mm-hmm. Oh no, no! Never add tomato to anything ever. Just throw them out. Well, okay, I guess. Or add people or something. Just don't eat them. Cause they're gross. <laughs> I guess Leah is. Uh, I guess this, this portion of the podcast is brought to you by the Commission for People Who Hate Tomatoes. Uh, but uh, it's the worst food. It's like just wrong. It's not a vegetable. It's it's not sweet enough to be like a real fruit. It's just like weird and red in there and just. Makes everything taste terrible and soggy. <laughs> I'm going to disagree. <laughs> but uh, add or don't add tomatoes at, uh, at your discretion, I suppose, Green Ant. And uh, here's what you do. Uh, do, you like, do you like spicy stuff? Uh, a bit. Okay. Do you usually get, like, mild or fire sauce or something when you, when you go to Taco Bell? Uh, no, no. It, my tacos are plain Jane. Okay. That's cool. I'm the same way. <laughs> but uh, here's what you do: you get uh, you get some some hot sauce. Okay, maybe start out with the mild. Mm-hmm. All right, and then you also get an order of the cinnamon twists. All right. Okay. And when you get home or you're at the restaurant and you're ready to snack down on your tacos, you open your taco up. You get your cinnamon twists out, or as I like to call them, cinnamon crips. Uh, you get them out. And you put, like, one or two cinnamon crips in your taco and cover that with hot sauce. I'm telling you, it will blow your mind. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> what What I'm curious about is not so much how that would taste, because whatever, that's your thing. But how did you stumble upon this idea? <laughs> Honestly, I think, uh, I think I had an ex who did that. Ah... And it's like such a random thing to. to yeah. Because I used to do. Um, we would go to Burger King and 
when they had the old fry formula and you would get the, the fries with the, they would have honey packets and you would dip the fries in the honey and it almost tasted like French toast sticks. Mm-hmm. So I get the weird food combos can work, but it's just like, how do you get there? <laughs> yeah. Like, what's the thought process? Leith, what about you? What's your go-to at Taco Bell? Do you also just get soft tacos? No, I do get some soft tacos on, like, occasion, because those are good, but just, like, plain. But I usually get the five-layer burrito. Mm, okay. I like, I like, I prefer beans to, to beef, and I like having, like, all the other crap. Now, this, this may not be uh, too popular with the uh, creatures of the deep, uh, hermit crab and Cajun crawdad, but I really miss when Taco Bell had the shrimp soft tacos. Those were pretty good. Anymore, uh, I will get just like regular soft tacos, like I described, with tomato added, because I don't hate tomato uh, tomatoes like it killed my family. Uh, but <laughs> I'll do that or the steak quesarita. Quesarito. It's big and heavy and filled with steak and nacho cheese is what it is. Gotcha. I think it's the quesarito. So, anyway, back to wrestling. Yes. We have. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. <laughs> this isn't a this isn't a Taco Bell fan cast. Tune in next week for a Taco Bell fan cast. Although, real quick, to be fair, Del Taco is like a thousand times better than Taco Bell, and they need to bring them to the East Coast. Never had it. So good. It's so good, and they serve French fries. Mm. French fries and tacos, like... I don't know, na- nacho fries from Taco Bell are bad. It, no, these are, like, real French fries, not, like, the weird ones. Okay. Like, I've, I've had the Taco Bell ones. They're not the same. These are more like what you would get at, like, the shore. Sure. So they're, like, that real, like, I don't know, like, they're really, really good French fries with that, like, whatever oil they, like, fry them up in is, like, fantastic. Now, Green Ant, in your travels, have you ever had Del Taco? I've never had Del Taco. Okay. I think I made a, a Johnny Moran go when he was in L.A. Oh, there you go. <laughs> he was looking for, like, food places. I was like, go to Del Taco. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That seems like it's... <laughs> yeah. I, I would try it if, you know, I was out I know, that they way. Need to come, they need, yeah, or they should... Bring them here so yeah. I can go, like, all the time and just be like, I'll get to, like, Yokozuna. Wait, it'll be fantastic. Give us give us Del Taco <laughs> on the East Coast and give us Whataburger. There you go. I could even trade for a while. Like, give them something of ours. Yeah. It's good. <laughs> uh, so, on to the Rey Mysterio psychosis match. Uh, we have Rey Mysterio out in a Superman-themed outfit. A lot of blue and red, and he's got a symbol sort of right below the waistline that's sort of like the Superman symbol, but it's also Rey Mysterio-themed. I love how he always, he always has done that. Yeah, always like, with the superhero gear. Very cool. So fun. It's like Kofi used to do that, too, before New Day. You yeah. know, like every like pay-per-view especially, he'd have like the themed gear, and we'd have mm-hmm. to like try and like figure out who he was. Yeah, yeah, it was always fun with Kofi. Now, this is, I, I do agree with uh, Green Ant and Leith that this is a fantastic match. I don't know that it's my match of the month, but we'll get to that in a minute. But uh, it is a really great match. Psychosis starts out very strong, dominating very early in the match. But Rey Mysterio hits a beautiful, just picture-perfect springboard Hurricane Rana at 38 minutes, 10 seconds into the broadcast, and wins with a Frankensteiner from the top rope. 
now, this was your guys' match of the month. Let's take a couple minutes to, to talk about this match a little bit more in detail. What did you guys really like about this match? I think, like, it, it's just a really solid showing of, like, the Lucha Libre style and what you would expect from, like, the, you know, like, the AAA scene. Um, just the... It's like that tandem offense, and it's fast paced, and you're you're getting moves like the the springboard hurricane rana, and it's just it's like really like they're just taking like two of the best guys from that whole scene and saying like okay, you guys haven't seen lucha libre really, so this is what it is, mm-hmm. and it just sort of like lays everything out pretty pretty nicely and really just showcases the whole style with like just two of the best like in-ring performers i mean ray mysterio had been wrestling since he was like 14 years old and like psychosis is like a household name and it's just like it's really really cool to see just like almost it's almost like an advertisement for the lucha libre style if you will yeah sure i, I at, yeah it's, it's pulling a, out pulling out all the stops to to really showcase everything it's a it's a great introduction to Lucha Libre if you're not familiar with it. Yeah, and uh, they start the match uh, deliberately very slow and American. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they start breaking out some crazy moves, and uh, you can see them just looking out into the crowd and, and recognizing, like, yeah, we got them where we want them now. Um, <laughs> it's very it's very deliberate in uh, how they decide to plan their match and perform it. Um, it's a lot of different. There's a lot of thought that went into it on their end on how can we get the most out of this uh, mm-hmm. opportunity. So it's it's a very good way to uh, like, it's good to look at to see like hey this is how you can surprise a crowd. This and they do crazy moves in it. It's not like there's no one on the ECW roster that was hitting the the lucha stuff that they do at the speed that they do and the style that they do. Um, yeah, it's a fun one for me to watch. <laughs> It, there's no like you you wouldn't see this and say like oh they're definitely rookies like it's obvious <laughs> these guys have been wrestling okay. for years upon years upon years like they know exactly what they're doing <laughs> yeah that's like that's the fun part about this match to me is that these guys know exactly when to do certain things mm-hmm. um especially for an audience that has never seen them before uh they're they're coming up as like names but like at this time they're not getting they're not on tv regularly it's it's all word of mouth or tape trading to see them so it's it's not like i mean like how things are nowadays where you can kind of get shows and stuff from like pretty much everywhere if you really wanted to but Mm -hmm. back then most most americans were vaguely familiar with any of this yeah because at this point like today Triple A's on Twitch and uh, their counterpart CMLL is on YouTube. Triple mm-hmm. uh, A's doing 24-hour live streams and CMLL's doing their three weekly shows getting uploaded. Um, back then, you're just getting grainy tapes from some guy, hopefully uh, in the correct order. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like they're not they're not seeing any of this. Um, so it's a very good it's a very good introduction to Lucha Libre for an American audience. That, that is just waiting to just crap on them. <laughs> right. Yeah. Especially, like, when you see, like, Psychosis come out with that, like, ridiculous, like, wig and mask and everything. It's not something that 
like especially ECW fans are used to like seeing. Yeah, like, it's surprising that they they give them as much like respect as they do. Yeah, like even coming off of the Sky- the Steiner's promo, like Psychosis is very obviously wearing a wig or has teased out hair, mm-hmm. uh, wearing a mask with horns. Rey Mysterio is a smaller guy. Like, there's there's not many reasons to to grab onto them right away. Now, all the all that said, would would you say that's why it's your match of the month? Uh, yeah, it's the one that sticks out the most for me. It's the one that I, I've heard about the most, most talk about. Um, it's it's very easily like the most recognizable one from this month for me. Okay, Leith, uh, would you agree? Yeah, pretty much. I'd say like it's kind of up in the air between this and the the Johnny B. Bad. Brian Pillman match. That's another one that has stood like with me as mm-hmm. we've continued. Like I've continued with the watch list. I always like kind of go back to that because there's such great storytelling within that match that it was really cool to see that aspect of wrestling. Cause you don't always get the storytelling within the matches as obvious as it is there. So I think the two were very good. Like kind of like showcases of like these guys really trying to like get out there and and show everything that they can really do within the the time that they're given. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. It it is a fantastic match, and I really encourage anybody who's listening to this to seek this out. It's a a great, great match. Uh, I think, for me, uh, I'll go over my match of the month here in a minute as we uh, close out the show. Uh, But uh, after the match, we get a, there's a problem in the locker room. Oh, no. And, uh, right? Dramatic music sting. And there are some camera attempts to to get out there, right? And we we finally get back there. We see the gangsters and the public enemy are getting into it, having some words. And as all this is going on, Steve-a-mania, brother! (laughs) Oh, it's so good. Steve-a-mania is running wild. Now, this is a pretty fun, uh, pretty fun early Steve Austin promo where he's parodying, of course, Hulk Hogan, right? And he's got a shirt on, he's got a big yellow shirt on that says, steve mania is running wild, clearly a homemade shirt, and he's cutting a promo about how he wasn't allowed to do... Uh, he wasn't allowed to, to be at the top in WCW, and he's here in ECW, right? And then he kind of drops all this, and he's like, no, this isn't going to cut it. It wouldn't cut it anywhere else, much less here in ECW, right? And he takes all that stuff off, and he, he leaves, and that's sort of where we uh, end the broadcast. But I do want to point out that not only is Steve Austin wearing a Steve-a-mania is running wild homemade shirt, and he's got the you know the bandana going on, he's also wearing a weightlifting belt that says the Steve-ster rules. Hmm. Yeah, he's great. <laughs> it's, uh, it's pretty great. And I just love how he's just like, no, I'm not doing this crap. Like, this is, this is lame. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm not going to be, like, the crappy WCW guys. Like, come on now. But, yeah, I think we, we actually talked a little bit about this with uh, Johnny Moran when he was on 
and the whole like you know like angry Steve Austin coming out on ECW and him just getting to kind of like lay into like all let out all of his frustrations throughout his career and everything and they just give him a mic and let him go and it's fantastic yeah absolutely it's uh it's a pretty pretty great promo all around and i'm i'm pretty excited to see in the future like how this all builds because i've seen a lot through like documentaries and stuff like that but i haven't actually sat down and watched all the the episodes of ecw with austin in them so i'm kind of curious to see how it all his care like to kind of watch his character develop would be would yeah. be fun to get the context yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> Any any thoughts, Green Ant, on on this particular promo? Uh, I feel like as we've gone through this, I must have like turned off as soon as the matches ended, or oh, like no. they, they they were running to the back. Oh um, dear! <laughs> so, like, I remember I remember seeing Steve Austin, um, and I was like, ah, must be time. Like I did the the typical Raw ending, like ah, must have been the time of the week. <laughs> and I missed the whole him talking oh. about. Changing everything up, just so so I'm like, oh, I'll have to go back and watch that later. <laughs> well, uh, good time. <laughs> it, it is a pretty good time. I, I do encourage you checking that out. Uh, yeah, that, it gives us something to look forward to in the uh, the coming months for ECW. Yeah, for sure, it'll be. It's a bright spot. Well, it should be interesting. <laughs> with, with that said, I will talk about my match of the month which was the double dog collar match hmm. that's going to be my match of the month just because it was the culmination of so many different things I mean it wasn't just the pit bulls versus Raven and Stevie Richards this sort of tied together at least a couple of other ECW threads and it was really just the payoff for Bill Alfonso getting choke slammed. Something that's been built to built towards for like several months was satisfying. <laughs> Seeing mm-hmm. him get what was coming to him. So for me, I gotta give it to the double dog collar match. That's uh that's my match of the month. So I think with that, I think we can call it a show Although there there is one other thing I do want to hit on before we actually call it a show. I forgot. This is something we want to ask. Probably going to cut this. <laughs> but uh, let's. Uh, one other thing we want to touch on before we wrap the month up. Which pay-per-view would you have rather ordered? Green Ant, which, which one of these two would you have rather ordered? Fall hmm. Brawl, War Games, or In Your House 3? I, uh... I, I partially like the wrestling in in your house three more than war games. Okay. Uh, but I don't know. I probably would have been suckered into buying a war games match <laughs> between them. Okay. So so I'll, I'll go with WCW on this one. You're gonna go with WCW. Okay. Leith, what about you? I think I'm I know w- the answer. Yeah, I'm going WCW. Okay. I, I kind of since. I don't know, since we started this, I've, I've leaned more towards WCW, especially once the, the Dungeon of Doom stuff started, because it's just hilarious to me. Um, but overall, to me, it was just a more memorable event. Um, the, the wrestling was solid, 
for in your house, but it wasn't like it's n- not memorable enough for my mm-hmm. for my brain. <laughs> <laughs> my my old lady brain who barely remembers anything anymore. So there okay. you go. All right. Uh, I think I would probably also have to go with WCW. Uh, the triple header match was great. There wasn't necessarily any bad matches on in your house, but I, I think I might ultimately have to go with Fall Brawl War Games because if we're talking like you have to pick one to get like during the month, I would almost want to watch the War Games match because it's just it's a bigger. That's that's kind of a big deal, you know. Yeah, I think it was booked a little bit bigger, in in the grand scheme of things. Like as far as like advertising and everything goes, like you get this crazy like collision of these two teams that have been kind of fighting this whole time, and there's just a lot more story mm-hmm. going on with WCW and and Fall Brawl than there is with WWE. Like there's not enough story build to get you to like want to give them your money for this pay-per-view. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, the, there was some trouble with building the undercard. I mean, really for both companies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the the Johnny B. Bad brian Pillman match was good, but there was no build-up to it pre-Fall Brawl. No, I think, like, yeah. we discussed on the thing, the reason that it might have been so good was because Pillman was basically fighting for his job at this point. Yeah. Because they're looking to get rid of loads of people, especially people that they didn't feel were pulling their weight. So they're like, these guys can't go, we'll give them 30 minutes, and they just did everything they had in them, you know? Yeah. It, it was a good match, but so, so many matches on, on both sides of the... Of the aisle, so to speak, could have benefited from better writing of the undercard. Yeah, and it, but if you're just going by main event, WCW's main event had more story behind it. There, the feud was going on for longer. Mm-hmm. You had much, uh, not necessarily bigger names, but you had a few more names in there. So it's like there's a lot more where that could have gone, even though it didn't really go the way we probably would have wanted it to. <laughs> yeah. But just looking at it, it's like the triple header match was kind of cool, but then when you would have gotten in and you would have found out, like, oh, Owen's not even in it. Like, what the heck? Like, I don't know. I would have been disappointed as a fan thinking, like, oh, I'm going to see, you know, Yokozuna and Owen, and it's like, oh, no, Owen's gone. We don't know what happened. Like, I don't know. Like, it just kind of fizzled. Yeah. Well, with that said, I think now we can call it a show. Uh, Green Ant, where can people find you on the internets? Uh, on Twitter and Instagram, I am at underscore Green Ant underscore. Uh, Facebook, I'm facebook.com backslash Green Ant Wrestles. Uh, you can buy my merch at greenant.bigcartel.com. All right, very cool. And I think with that, I think we can call it a show. Green Ant, thank you so much for joining us. And well, Thanks for having me, guys. Absolutely. And wrestling fans out there, thank you for joining us. Please don't forget to give our Facebook page a like, follow us on Twitter, leave us a review on iTunes, check out our Kofi, and check out AvetMakesThings.com. 
All of these things on their own only take a second, and it really makes our day. So check that out. And with that, we want to say bye, everybody. See ya. So long. Take a memo. Introducing TV's newest comedy duo, Pinky and the Brain. Yes. <laughs> They're too small to have my squiggle one big plan. Trying to take over the world. Fortunately for us, they're not very good at it. The prime time world premiere of Pinky and the Brain, followed by Sister Sister Sunday. Oh, 